What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is episode 179. All I have to say for this one is, wow. Being a New York sports fan, Sean and I had so much to talk about. We talked fucking every sport from horse racing to water polo. Of course, I'm just messing with you guys, but we pretty much talked literally every sport except hockey in New York because literally every sport had something going on this week. It was a lot of fun. We obviously talked about the country as well. That's all I'm going to say because this is already a two-hour pod plus, so enjoy the pod. Spread this one out if you need to, but listen every second because it's a really good one. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports on Instagram, sorry underscore sports. Check out the website, sorrysports.com, and if you have anything to say, shoot us an email, sorrysports at yahoo.com, and enjoy the pod. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. And happy impeachment week, I guess. It's another edition of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We're here to bring you, I'm just going to call it a sports orgy, Tom. That's Mm. basically what it is after everything that we've seen transpire since we last talked. Uh, um, There's also everything else going on in the country. So first of all, how are you? I'm good. I just want to give a, uh, a little warning. I am at my childhood home tonight. So if you hear Sadie crying in the background, um... Just know that she's just uh, an attention whore, and I'm not hurting her. Has she made an appearance on the pod before? I'm trying to remember. Yes, she has. Um, if she hears me talking and I'm not giving her attention, she will cry, and she's outside of my room right now. So, just well, just one. In case you hear a dog we'll- crying, you don't want don't think I have anybody chained up. It's just Sadie being a little bitch. Yeah, that, that's more than fine. We, we welcome dogs here on this pod. Um, speaking of Love dogs, dogs. Uh, the current president mm, uh, nice is in a couple – thank you. A uh, couple days remaining. Pa- reportedly, he's already packing his shit and getting ready to leave. He will not – Saw the images attend. of the moving trucks. <laughs> there you go. It was a welcome <laughs> sight. He will not attend Inauguration Day, obviously, for President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris. Because he didn't win, uh, dude. What do you – the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, no, he didn't win, and uh, he goes home, and he takes his ball when he goes home. Every sort of no, Biden does. didn't win. This is a lie. Oh, oh sorry, my sorry. bad. My TV's been stuck on Fox News for the last week. My bad. Yeah, oh, you weren't on, you weren't on OAN. <laughs> no, no, I don't have access to that. I was just stuck oh. on Fox News. But um, yeah, I don't think we shed enough light um, last week. I don't want to say we glossed over it, but how disgusting this was. Um, a guard, a person guarding the Capitol had his head bashed in with a um, fire, some type of fire hydrant. Um, and there were five people killed. Um, and, uh, I mean, is there really anything else to say than this is just, you know, has America hit a low point in your opinion? And it, it, can it go lower, I guess? I thought we did the best we could last week, given the fact that we literally recorded. There was the no information of, coming out. Yeah, there, there was. Yeah, we it, needed more. 
yeah, we recorded probably around, I don't know, 7 o'clock Eastern time. So things were still coming out. I believe I mentioned nobody had been reported dead. Obviously, five ended up being the casualty rate here uh, because of this attempted coup, att- this, uh, coup attempt on the, on the nation's capital. And honestly, it, it is a low point. And this was what I said on the pod, and I'm going to just reiterate it. If he's not going to concede, why should his supporters? Mm. If you didn't see this coming, you're not very bright or you're not looking at the prism objectively. I mean, there was going to be hell to pay at some point leading up to inauguration. Outside of him just being a man and a child, there were no violent actions occurring and and we knew something was going to happen i I, i'm very sorry and my deepest condolences i know you echo the same to the five the families of the five people that lost their lives on this tragic day in american history um the first president to twice what can you say yeah um i am very worried about this country i think you know new york and dc may be safe new york being that they obviously upped uh, anti-terror units and whatnot during 9-11 um, and the Capitol obviously post what happened last week. But who's to say that there's not going to be another another attack on, you know, I don't know, a, a Capitol building in in another in another um, state's capital? Who's to say Hartford doesn't get stormed tomorrow? You know what I mean? Like, and these are our own citizens and, and it's just terrible to see. And you can't help but laugh at some of these Trump supporters that did show up to the White House to basically have to to cause terror. They were basically terrorists, and then when they get put on not basically they were yes, and, and then they try and go home from that. And as they're trying to get on board a plane, um, they're put on, they're put on a no fly list, which I thought was absolutely you know there's nothing funny about this, but I thought that was pretty hilarious. I mean, it's just this whole four-year span this terrible run that we've been in as a country has shed light on what i call the termites of our society i mean Mm -hmm. when you live in a house and you start to see that your floor and and your foundation is starting to come into a little bit of decay and you peel back everything and you call an exterminator and you see the termites and you say oh shit we need to take care of this Donald Trump has brought to light all of those termites of Mm -hmm. this society. It's despicable. It's hateful. It's everything that is wrong with our current country. And and the worst part that bothers me is these are the people that claim to love this country. They don't know anything about this country. They don't know the history of this country. They don't know that they're promoting something that is absolutely – Nothing short of disrupting democracy and the republic and everything that our founding fathers came up with uh, and implemented 225 years ago. It, it's a it's an absolute shit show and it's a joke. Uh, I mean, you, you, know, can't, you can't get over it. And it's sad because there are some. Um, I mean, there were ten of them that voted for impeachment. There are some decent Republicans out there, and it's honestly become more of a morality conversation than anything else whatsoever and personally i've gotten to the point where you know aside from family who you're kind of stuck with if you support trump i don't even really want to speak to you um and that's sad because in in past times if you voted for you know a, a different president we could still see eye to eye on other things but now it's just become a point of i just i tie and i think america in general ties 
moral values and, and other things that aren't political ideals into it. And you can't help it because I just look at a person that supports Trump and it's just somebody that I don't want to be associated with. Trumpism is different than Republican and Democrat. It's its own party. It's its own group of mm-hmm. tyrannical, you know, absolutely ridiculous people who are irrational and they're hyper emotional and they're not they're not able to see the damage that they've done. They're not able to see the damage that their mm-hmm. president has done. And they align, They try to align with the Republican Party. There's a lot of Republicans that don't agree with this. And that's you know what the problem thing. is, though, is that I, I bet you that aside from maybe Ted Cruz and a few others that are just absolute psychopaths and just trying to take the crown for themselves, a lot of the, a majority of the Republicans don't agree with this, but they're too scared to not tow the party line and we're almost at a point now where it's just like i mean come on guys like this is this is more than a matter of your party yeah but you know what man to me i don't have any kind of sympathy because if you're if you're gonna go into this oh especially over the last four years and you've been running for senate or you've been running for the house or you've been running for a state congressional position Listen, you know who the person in charge of the country is and what party they represent, albeit very singularly. Um, Trumpism is different. It's evil. It's hateful. It's no different than what we've seen in past dictatorships in in the world's history, aside from the fact there's checks and balances that have to make sure they not just completely take over, but... Um, all I'm going to say is this, and I'm sure you're going to agree because I can't wait to talk sports with you. We have yes. so much to go into, but we did not want to gloss this over, especially after last week. I am so looking forward to not attacking politics anymore. I'm looking forward to a Democrat Republican thing where everybody can just bicker about certain policies and we're not having get nothing done. the violence ensued. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And honestly, just to put a cap on this, I actually read something earlier today. Um, if there is any Trump list, Trump supporters that still listen to us, I'd find it hard to believe that there is. But hey, you never know. <laughs> Somebody could come across this. Maybe I'll get through to them just by using this one example. Okay. Neo, the, the swastika is banned in Germany for, for obvious reasons, right? So mm-hmm. neo-Nazi groups and whatnot that form in Germany use the Confederate flag as basically their form of a swastika because they're not allowed to flash the swastika or brand or whatever you want to call it. Um, So they associate themselves with the Confederate flag, and that flag was um, being flown quite heavily during during the storming of this, of the Capitol building. So if you want to associate yourselves with that, hit skip. Give us a play, but just fast forward through the whole thing. Great analogy. It's a, um, it's one of those things where you're, you, like I said, you, you referenced pre- previous dictatorships, and yeah, that's what I was going for, nothing, for there, it's, bud. It stood for nothing but evil, hatred, and putting down a group of people, oppressing a group of people, and killing a group of people for having different ideologies. Absolutely, and the fact that it's still being able to be freely flown here, I, I love the the freedom that Americans stand for. But at certain points, I mean, we saw the state Mississippi finally. To change their flag because of yeah. the Confederate, uh, the Confederate beliefs that it held to, uh, it's to have that finally done. And it's and a the shame because you know you're still here. I mean, I've been down south before the South will rise again. I mean, that's yeah. not really a Texas thing, so I'm sure 
you're probably not hearing that, especially around the Austin area, but that's more of a southeastern kind of thing. And, you know, that racism is the seeds for a genocide, my friend, and that's that's a scary thing. It's a gr- that's a great way to put it. I just want to reference a couple other uh, platforms to listen to. Great conversation from this week after the transgressions that took place on our nation's capital nine days ago. If you want to go to the Press Box, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, and the Bakari Sellers Podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, I, I don't know if you listen to either of those, but I'm sure you're familiar with them, give great uh, uh, insight on how we should approach and, and look at a lot of these things. So um, mm-hmm. in addition to us, who are not political experts, give uh, give those guys a listen, because uh, I learned a lot listening to them. If I could describe, honestly, 2020 in uh, one word and following through 2021, it's just a shame, man. I mean, 2016 on, it's just fucking ashamed. I'm embarrassed to be... I never have to repeat it. I'm embarrassed to be a white person in America. And I'm embarrassed, yeah. It's just... That's that's blunt, and, and that's just the way I can put it for you. Well, you shouldn't be embarrassed as a part of what you can do singularly. You know, you live a good life. You're ashamed of other people that bring you to the point of feeling like, you know, you hear about white privilege. White privilege is acknowledging that you have advantages over other people. We've talked about this when we discussed the George Floyd murder back in June. It is just understanding that your life is completely viewed differently here in this country than of African Americans and brown people. And it is totally... It is not even a question. No need to feel guilty. Just be objective and understand that. Yes, sir. All right. Enough of that. My God, Sean, let's talk some fucking sports. I I had to call you today at 5 o'clock. Wanted to thank you for coming on so late. I know it's 9.17 there on a, on a Friday night in, in Texas, but... Also, because I just had to get my thoughts in order because we just have so much stuff to talk about. You know what's awesome, dude, is we don't do a lot of – we hardly do any like pre-show calls and discussions. We talk about the notes we're going to send each other and we kind of go text, over that. Yeah. That's basically it because we kind of want to ha- save it for the pod, right? I was no, too you excited. you me today. This was great. So let's start with baseball, my friend, and I want you to take the floor because you've been the most passionate about this, saying you're going to ditch your Yankee gear. Well, f- you don't have to do that, man. Yankees yes. and DJ LeMayhew, six years, $90 million deal. First reported by John Paul Morosi of Fox Sports this morning. Jeff Passan confirmed the years and conditions. And he's a Yankee for a long, long time. I think it was a great marriage for both of them. How did you feel? I am over the moon for this signing. And honestly, I'm more relieved than anything else because I was going to fucking lose my shit if they didn't sign this guy and they tried to convince me that the guy that they signed was better than him because I had a feeling that that's what they were going to do if they went that route. Um, and I, I, like I said, I'm at my mom's house today. I don't have any of my stuff here, but if I was home in my apartment, I would be wearing a Yankees hat right now, even though nobody could see it, just because I am so excited. I cannot wait for this season. Today I was packing up my girlfriend's apartment and I saw all of her Yankees gear because I mentioned she's a probably a bigger Yankees fan than me, believe it or not. Um, and I was like, oh man, you got to keep that stuff at the top of the pile um, because, <laughs> you know, DJ's back, baby. Let's go. I mean, because I was going to tell her just to throw all the shit out, you know, if he hadn't I signed know. yet. You were, yeah, I you was were done. pretty adamant about it, but I am over the moon. And there's another signing that we're going to talk about after, but just, I mean, six years, 90 million, 
whatever the price was, I think that's a fair deal, bro. He stayed. They kept him under a hundred million. They keep the guy happy. They have him for six years. Maybe the last two years aren't that great on the deal. But this guy is a top three MVP candidate the last two seasons. I mean, he plays Gold Glove defense. He can play any position in the infield and possibly even a little outfield. God forbid you need him. And the guy hits fucking. 330, and he had 100 RBIs the last full season we had with, what, 30 home runs? I think it was 24, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, 24. Okay, let's round up. It was a season high, or a uh, career Career high, high. rather. Yeah. Which is Um, insane because he played in Colorado. I know, man. Well, you know that when we were going back and forth, I was saying – the only you got to look at this from the team perspective sometimes and not just the fan. It is a business. And the one thing that gave me encouragement was listening to Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone when they gave their rare public appearances on interviews during this holiday season. And they were like, oh, we, we're, we want him back. He's our priority. You don't say that if you're not intent on bringing him back. Mm-hmm. And I do think based off of last week when you sent me the report and it surfaced from Bleach Report saying that – dismayed with the Yankees and he's telling his agent to look elsewhere I think he wanted the conditions he wanted and the Yankees said okay circle back here and go see what else you can get and the next highest bid apparently was Toronto four years and 70 million and DJ at the end of the day wanted to be Yankee the Yankees at the end of the day wanted DJ back it was going to happen within reason and I think what makes this deal fucking phenomenal because when I first saw passing report it's six years I was like whoa you thought it was a 120 of, right that's a lot of years no because I knew it was under a hundred mm. I was just still like that's six years he's gonna be 33 in July I believe I mean that's a lot of years but then I'm like wait a second 15 million annually. For six years, for a guy who's a, not a power hitter, not a, not a Stanton, not a judge, not a guy who's going to typically break down, can play anywhere. Even in the last two years of his deal, he's playing 85 games, uh, shifted between a couple of different positions, and you're only paying him $15 million? Oh, my God, what a steal. He was only making 13 the last two. So you get him for only $2 million more. You stay under $20 million under the luxury tax, which is what they're trying to get to, the 210 marker, and... This was a great deal for both sides. DJ got his security, six years. The Yankees got him their MVP, which despite all the players, he was their MVP Absolutely. of the last few years. It, it, it's a win-win. I, I can't think of a better situation for the Yankees, bro. Absolutely, and I mean, you you talked about his versatility. I mean, even if he becomes a full time first baseman in that in that fifth and sixth year, I mean, the guy is just such a great fielder. And not to mention, he's going to hit till he's ninety. Because of, because of what he everywhere. does. It's just contact, pure yeah. contact. And I, I, I'm just absolutely in love with this deal. I'm over the moon. And, and you know what? I mean, this was a great sports week for, for New York, all across the board. The only team we don't have to mention is the Giants and hockey. Yeah, the Giants missed the playoffs. They have nothing to talk about, and we're not a hockey pod. Islanders beat the Rangers. There's your hockey analysis in, in game one. Um, for nothing, I believe. But... Dude, I couldn't agree with you more. This was such an awesome week for New York sports. So much to talk about. But this deal just culminated. And to see, did you give your sports one of your three sports fathers, Brian Cashman, a call today? Because you 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 should go over. Well, you maybe not now with COVID, but you should give him a nice call. You should send him a nice gift basket mm-hmm. of some sorts because 
not only did he do this deal, but he did it in the most team-friendly way to make sure they were able to add more, which we'll talk about in probably about a minute. We have yet to speak um, since the signing, but I did send a few messages out there before that. There was talk of disownment, and now there's talk about him being the number one. I mean, Sean McVeigh did get a W out there um, in L.A., which was a great game. We're going to talk about that later. And Brad Stevens is coaching his ass off out there, but, I mean, he's number one. I mean, Jesus Christ, I feel like the Yankees won the championship. I can't wait to actually feel that and see how much better I feel. It, it was an awesome, awesome move. And, again, this is not the kind of player that's going to break down. The biggest thing to me was you had to keep him because he, we've seen what he has done for this team. He balances out a very all-or-nothing lineup. A lot of power hitters, a lot of launch angle guys, a lot of high on base percentage guys, but a lot of high strikeout guys. If you're being no hit, if you're in a slump, DJ comes up, sees the first pitch, sees the second pitch, whacks it to right field for a single, he hits the ball all places, he bounces this lineup, he knifes this lineup, he plays at gold glove level of second base. I think the only question that we have to ask ourselves, and we don't have to do it right now because this is a joyous pod, this is a joyous Thank you. is can Gabriel Torres be an everyday shortstop defensively? Great we'll, question. We'll about that. Um, quickly... My answer is, much to the Jets with their quarterback, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, all of his numbers across the board, fielding metrics, and include, and offensive numbers dipped last year. I know. It, it was a weird year to gauge, guys. I mean, we've talked about Gary Sanchez till we're fucking blue in the face. Uh, uh, don't even bring him up. Can you, can you be worse than that, though? I mean, it was a weird year. You played 60 games. Like, yep. I don't know how to gauge anybody, whether they did great or whether they did bad. I do know how to gauge DJ LeMahieu because he's done this every year of his career. Yes. Um, and Only again, players since 1900 to win a batting title in both leagues. Absolutely. And, and again, I mean, really? Yeah. Literally only players since 1900 hmm. to win the batting title in both the AL and NL. Wow, I thought there was a triple crown winner on both sides. Not a was duel. It Frank Robinson? No. No? No. 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 no, not the stat that I saw. No, no, no. You could be right. Maybe it was MVP on both in both leagues. Um, yep. Absolutely, man. And the other thing is, like, this guy isn't isn't a power slouch either. I mean, clearly he can hit 20 to 25 homers, especially in this lineup where he's going to see fastballs a lot. He's going to see fastballs a lot, and he's going to be part of a lineup that turns over a lot, where the bottom of the lineup has a good day. He gets on, there's second and third, one out, and a pitcher knows Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton are waiting on deck. And Luke Voigt. Presumably they're healthy, and Luke Voigt and Glaber Torres. Who led the league in home runs. <laughs> I know. So then you get, so, you know, you're going to try to be cute with, uh, with LeMahieu, and he's going to punch a single up the middle and score two guys. It, it's it was an absolute move that had to be made, and I love that the organization prioritized that and knew that. Um, anything else more to say on DJ before we move on? No, sir. Why don't we talk about Yankees pitching, which I think should be their main focus after this LeMahieu signing. Um, and I, honestly, I saw the deal, but then you broke it to me. All I saw all I saw was the number and, and the name, and then you told me he signed with the Yankees, Corey Kluber, for $11 million. You got yourself your sinker baller to replace Tanaka. Corey Kluber, two-time AL Cy Young Award winner, is the New York Yankee. And it is a little bit more money than I thought he was going to get, but the Yankees probably feel 
by what I'm signaling from this deal and one of your sports fathers who's moving up your ranks to number one, he probably thought that out of Paxton, Tanaka, and Kluber. Kluber was the best option after watching him throw this past week, which 24 other teams watched, including the Mets. And he has an inside track with Matt Blake, who's the Yankees pitching yes, coach, sir. the guy that's worked on his shoulder and who's and whose performance um, venue he went to, uh, the performance complex uh, for the Yankees, he works for the Yankees. So this seemed to be a match made in heaven if both sides could get together on a deal. And I think this is great security for a rotation that has a lot of question marks, even with Kluber. I think Kluber himself is a question mark. Mm -hmm. But the Yankees seem to believe that he has a lot more in the tank. He was averaging about 88 to 90 in the 30-pitch uh, sim game that he threw. That'll get up I to 93. I think this is a really good move. I think this is a really good move. Oh, I am in love with this move. The Yankees need to focus on starting pitching from here on till the end, uh, till the end of the signing period, whatever, till all the dust settles. I think there's still a few holes. I mean, honestly, as long as Kluber can stay healthy, it's pretty much him and Cole right now and, and um, Domingo. Because, yeah, Domingo, who hasn't pitched in a year. Yes. Um, Seve's not going to be back probably for most of the season, if at all. I think he's going to be back around July. Okay, okay, that, that'll be great. And then is Debbie Garcia a starter? Is he not? And then do you think they re-signed Paxton? It's interesting about this deal with the $11 million is the, the flexibility of the DJ, trade, the DJ signing allowed the Yankees to have about $10 million, or $20 million more, rather, in their because uh, they're trying to hit under the tax. And I know Yankee fans want to bitch and moan about it. That'll allow next offseason to be much more of a splurge. So if Kluber occupies 11 of that $20 million, I, I can't see James Paxton even coming off an injury not getting at least $9 million annually. I think that takes them out on Tanaka. So what's our market? Give me some names. Because the pitcher out of Japan, the Yankees weren't even in on, and nobody signed him. Nobody signed him. He went back. So now you're looking at possibly, you're going to like a John Lester, a Jose Quintana type. Okay. Uh, you know, guys that are bargain basement guys, or you're going with, do you believe Clark Schmidt? is ready for the major leagues. Do you believe David Garcia, like you asked, is, is a major league starter? I don't know. I don't Maybe think they so. do. Yeah, you got Montgomery back. Mm, true. It, it's, it, it's, and he looked uh, great last year. He in looked times, good. In times. Right. He had some really rough starts. You also got to address another bullpen piece because Canely, he missed pretty much the entire year, blew mm. out his elbow, and then signed with the Dodgers. He's not coming back. Is uh, To me, I would say, okay, well, Isaac, you're going into camp as a reliever. You're going to be the next Chad Green. Focus simply on on being a one-inning guy, throwing 100 and throwing strikes. So now you're looking at a mix of Herman, Gar, uh, Garcia, Schmidt, and King. There's another move to make. You know how Cashman works. He's one of, you know he's guy. He's your father. He, he does these stealthy moves. Joe Musgrove of the Pirates, that's the guy to look at. Uh, Castillo of Cincinnati, that's, a, that's another guy who's been mentioned. I think it'll take a lot to get him uh, uh, for starting. Kluber was the one out of the Paxton-Tanaka-Kluber mix that we're saying we're going to be best about signing. Listen, I'm happy, man. I am over the moon. Um, anything else you want to talk about with the Yankees? No, we're, we're, I Let's, just gave you names. A anybody there that, that interested you? I like Jose Quintana. I, I think he can be turned around with Blake. At one time, he was a, a massive prospect. 
Yeah, and had a, and had a nice run there with uh, the White Sox and the Cubs. Absolutely. Um, last thing I do want to say before we move on to the other major New York team making baseball splashes, um, I, I, I had to think about this. And I wanted to ask you, isn't it just a fucking shame that all this stuff happens so spread out? Like, you have the Snell and Darvish trade, then you have a lull, then you have the um, then you have the Mets making a giant splash, then you have LeMahieu signing. You had a few signings earlier. Imagine it was the NBA or the NFL. All this shit would happen. The baseball would be the talk of town of the town for a month. Dude, we've talked about this. The it just makes me sad. Sucks. It sucks. All right, enough of that. Let's get happy again. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. There's know, nothing you can I do, though. I, I'm worried about this because it wasn't always like this. It wasn't always like this, but the markets change, and, and with that, players are going to they're gonna survey the market a little bit longer. You got Trevor Bauer saying that he wants the highest annual value ever and that Garrett Cole just got last year. I mean, who is giving Trevor Bauer that money? Two years ago, Harper and Machado didn't sign until mid-February. Mm. Like, and camp's already open. Like, that's what we're dealing with now. It's fucking shame. But let's talk about some good news. I mentioned them already. Cohen says he wants to stay under the tax. I don't know if I believe that. The Mets have traded for Francisco Lindor, top five shortstop in baseball, probably top three, and Carlos Carrasco. And absolutely, honestly, I give him an A plus on this trade. And he said he's bringing the black uniforms back, which is huge. <laughs> do you like the Do you like the black unis? I just picture Piazza wearing it, and and that is enough for me. As a non Mets yeah. fan, that's like the glory days. Obviously, I wasn't around during '86. And that's plenty for me. I think those black uniforms are very cool. Would you rather see the black unis or the rainbow ones from like '86? The rainbow ones, like the like the NASCAR like rainbow stripe down the side, like the it was the pinstripes, but not the ones they've been wearing lately. Like they're they're like orange blue. They've got a couple of different colors mm. down the side there. From like I, they watch the '86 team, and it's different than like the Seaver Mets. Um, I'd prefer the black. Yeah. When I think Mets, honestly, I, I think about that black uniform a lot. Um, well, that was like yeah, like the late late '90s to like what mid 2000s late 2000s. Yeah, because yeah, I can see Beltron wearing one right now. I can just picture him, and he didn't come until. Oh, oh, 05 maybe to the Mets. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. by the way, Carlos Beltran, greatest Mets outfielder ever. Debate me on it. You can't. I won't. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it's. I, it was a great move for the Mets. I am not a fan of Mets fans because they complain a lot, and then when they're good, they think they own the city, which they do not. Mm-mm. However, uh, Nets fans. I think this is N E T S fans. Cough, cough. Oh, easy. <laughs> I don't know any net fan that thinks we own the city. I think we might own the NBA. Do you know any Nets fans? <laughs> Not many, dude. I think I, I one of my best friends is a Nets fan, and he's an OG like I am. Outside of that, I really don't. Um, but no, for the Mets, this was a tremendous move. You 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 said he's a top five, probably a top three shortstop. There's no doubt that they're going to re-sign him and lock him up. It's going to look a lot like the Mookie deal last year with the Dodgers. And you get Carlos Carrasco, who's going to fill out that rotation, especially while Syndergaard 
comes back from Tommy John and is on around the same timetable as Severino, which I'm mm-hmm. talking July. It, how do you not pull the trigger on this? Rosario gone, Jimenez gone. Okay, nice prospects. But nice they didn't even players. give up their top prospects. No, like this was a no-brainer. Cleveland, you couldn't have done better than this. Maybe other teams weren't offering as good as this. Congratulations to the Mets. A great move for them. I am absolutely in love with it. I think they have one more move left to make, and that is sign George Springer. Mm, yeah, he's been rumored to them a lot, Local man. kid. I guess you could kind of say local because he went to UConn, and I believe he's from Connecticut. Um, I think he'd look great in Matt's black. <laughs> You're so hung up on the Eagles. I root heavy I for the Mets. I'm happy for the Mets too, man. I mean, it, it is not fun when both – when a team, a major team, I mean, we can talk about second teams in New York, right? Like, the the Jets are easily the second team, but I think they're the second most talked about New York sports team isn't Giants, Knicks, Rangers. The Mets are clearly the top of the B teams because mm-hmm. all they've, got, they've been here the longest. I mean, them and the Jets. Yeah, the, 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 all those National League fans, National League New York fans that couldn't follow the Dodgers and Giants when they moved in, ni- in the late 1950s, latched on to the Mets. And they're a blend of both of those teams. Absolutely. Just My one. grandfather was a big Brooklyn Dodgers fan because he's from Brooklyn. That's where our family fucking immigrated to. And when they moved on, he moved on to the Mets. And he was a Mets fan yeah. till the day he moved on, until he passed away. Yeah, you're not going to follow the Yankees. You hate so that to me this is a significant move for baseball which is a new york city sport and which we know is regional it's a regional sport but new york city baseball you put that right up with new york city basketball i mean there's something about it that it will never go out of style Mm -hmm. even though those black unis may have and now they're coming back (laughs) don't you should talk those black unis but yeah, dude, it, it's it's a great move for them. I'm happy for the Mets fans. Clearly, you now have an owner. We talked about this at length when Cohen officially took over the team. This is now a team where free agents and and top tier players who need to get signed or have large contracts can go to again. It's a good thing. Yeah, if he really wants to make a splash, he'll sign um he'll sign Bauer too. But I don't I don't see that happening. I think Springer does happen, but I do not see Bauer going there. Me neither, especially with Carrasco being a piece of that uh, of trade, you know? Yeah, Why absolutely. do you need Bauer now? Yeah, but, I mean, this is great. Uh, dude, this was probably the best New York sports week. And can, can you name another week? Like, it's sad because of the lack of championships. But, like, I can't name a week in a long time. Well, with as many teams that occupy the city and as many fan bases as there are, I can't. This has been wild. It's been nonstop news. New York has dominated every part of the sports week. Absolutely. All right. What what other MLB you got? The Nationals signed Kyle Schwarber. I like that yeah, move. What do you think of that deal? What is it, a five-year? Oh, no, just no, a one-year, quick one-year. I, I like that deal, honestly. I think that they have the outfield to make up for his – defensive inefficiencies we'll say and he's going to add a lot of pop to that lineup with a left-handed bat i think too if this uh mlb proposal goes through with the dh that he's going to get a lot more at bats at least absolutely and that's pretty cool but between even if it doesn't between robles and soto because i'm going to go off what it is right now which is no dh 
a base stick, Soto and right, and Robles in center, who's one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. I know that's a big outfield, but he'll have a lot less ground to cover with those two. Couldn't agree more. And he's a lefty power bat, and he's on a show-me deal. I know we use that term a lot, but he's a young player who looked like he was on a trajectory to possibly be the Cubs left fielder and an MVP candidate for the next seven years it didn't work out due to injury and a little bit of regression and now he gets a fresh start with washington who by the way is a team with a a huge hole for a lefty power hitter who gets on base a lot eric thames didn't do freaking anything for them last year and now you're placing him with schwarber who's going to be trying to parlay this into a long-term deal i I think it was a no-brainer yeah, man, uh, huge deal for them, and I think he's going to show out this year and get a fat deal next year. You asked a question, I, I kind of glossed over it just because my eyes are going on me. It's sad at 26 years old. You said, are the Mets a, uh, a Mets a player in the NL and the NL East? I, I think this makes him a title contender, man. That lineup is scary. Lineup is so good. And that, I mean, pitching staff as well. I mean, but over the past few years, the thing that has been the Mets' major Achilles heel is their bullpen. They need to beef that up. Well, I think what the Carrasco part of this trade does is you can move one of Lugo or Gasselman bullpen where they belong, preferably yeah. Lugo. Absolutely. And that would be that would be such a because Gasselman Gasselman is probably a C minus in the rotation, C plus in in the in the um, in the bullpen. I'd say Lugo is a C in the rotation, and he's an A minus A in the bullpen. Oh, dude, I'm right there with you. He he's a legitimate he's shutdown. A closer. Yeah, yeah, he, he's a shutdown guy for for an inning. And he's a bullpen a, reliever, as um, what's that guy on uh, Brian Kenny would say on uh, the MLB Network? <laughs> yeah, bullpen that's ace. right. Bullpen ace, man. He he's really good, and you need him there. And and I think this. This really helps that. You know you're getting Syndergaard back. Matt's is still there. Um, You've got DeGrom leading the charge, which means you have a chance every fifth day to to win. And the best part, you mentioned this so well, the lineup is what makes this team now a legitimate legitimate title contender, at least and at least, and possibly heading it through the whole NL because I don't see many holes in this lineup. No. And, and and they're going to get Degrom now, where he does not have to pitch eight innings of one run ball and to have to win a game. Yeah, maybe he maybe he cannot go what like eight and sixteen as a starter and have a one ERA or whatever. It'd be nice. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about the MLB having a full spring training and a full season, possibly with fans. Um, you want to say your piece on it? Yeah, I just want to say that this is what was coming out this past week. Um, Manfred said that he sent a mandate to every single one. Of, I always say, like hate saying Manfred and sent out a mandate. I don't know how That's people a tough say that so easily. But yeah, right? Uh, but he sent it out and saying, hey, everybody be ready for a full spring training. And we're going to go 100 new games. And we're going to try to get fans in the stands everywhere and have it you know, socially distanced and kind of in pods, which we've seen in certain NFL stadiums and what we saw in the world series and and playoff venues. So that's, uh, that's the plan. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if it's absolutely going to work, but for right now, it certainly made me excited because I want a full season. Yeah. I'm a little more pessimistic about that. Um, 
here's the thing, man. And this will be a nice segue into the NBA because we have so much to talk about. But um, I, I just think it's when it comes to the fans, that's a whole different ball game. Just because we're seeing the COVID numbers go up, everybody thinks because some of their friends or some of their family members are getting vaccines that they know we're out of the woods. We're not out of the woods yet, and then get, I'll tell you, they're running out of vaccines every fucking day. So. When it comes to fans, let's not be too optimistic about that. When it comes to the actual players in the season, the NFL and then the MLB and the NBA bunched together, I'll put those two together, are two different animals. When it comes to the players being able to live at home and and, and being able to play a full season, because you're seeing it with the NBA now, they're playing back-to-backs and they're, they're having trouble with these guys staying healthy. They don't know what games to cancel and whatnot. Because the NFL, it's there's a routineness to it. It's I go to work every single day to get ready most of the time for Sunday. But I'm playing once a week. I go to work from, let's say, you know 7 to 7. That's a 12-hour day. Who knows if they fucking work that much. I'm just using it as an example. And then I go home, right? And I just have to be ready for Sunday, where the MLB could have three games in a row of a three-game set. It, it, they, the NBA is having back-to-backs, and these players are not being as responsible. And then, you know, they this team was exposed to COVID, and then they flew here, and they're playing this team, and blah, blah, blah. And it, it's just a lot more difficult and a little bit more wonky of a schedule to wear I'm not as optimistic that they're going to be able to get 162 games into a season before the the fall turns into winter and and we're looking at you know having to pause the season or shorten it in order to get to the playoffs. I don't blame your pessimism. I think it's fair. I think it's validated. I think it's more than legitimate cause for concern. My only pushback would be that baseball was the first sport to really do this in a non-bubble right. situation. You're absolutely and, right. And, and, and outside of the first couple weeks, which looked like doomsday with the Marlins and Cardinals, they executed it nearly flawlessly, had the two bubbles for the postseason, and had no issues there. Obviously, Justin Turner could have changed that if it was a, if it was a game if a game seven was needed. Yeah, but it, it wasn't. And Thank God. I think that the baseball players understood how to get through this. I'll worry about fans at a later date. Um, we had fans in the World Series and in the NL playoffs in Texas. But true, truthfully, man, I, I think baseball is the most well-equipped to deal with this because they already had to deal with it for a six-game season. And they want a, the players' union wants a full season. The players want a full season. The 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 commissioner wants a full season i think the owners some owners are the only ones that don't mm-hmm. because of money lost but i think any sport that's willing we remember we're seeing these problems in the nba you can't look at the nba as a, they went to a bubble after a four-month hiatus it wasn't the same thing football is a different animal as you very well laid out it, it, you play once a week you have a very structured schedule during the week that leads up to game day the, what we're seeing in the nba right now is Basically, it's first trial run. It's it's what baseball was in in August and and September. Baseball's already gone through their trial period. I think they know what to expect. I think they know what protocol to follow. I think they want to play a full game or a full season rather and get every game in. Uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic because they've already gone through that. That's the only reason why I'm going to err on that. And you know me, I'm not an eternal optimist. 
No, you are not. I know you very well. And Sean, honestly, you talked me off the ledge. Thank you for that. You're welcome, man. I, I just it makes a lot of sense, and I, I understand all the points you made. We'll worry about fans another time. I know I, they're saying they hope to have fans. They're not saying there will be fans. I'm sure they're going to operate it very much like football, where it's hey, some stadiums can going to be a state and city decision more so than it's going to be a team. Absolutely. All right, Sean. Let's move on to the NBA. Good God. I want to talk about the Detroit Pistons. Oh, thank Just God, kidding. dude. I, how has Blake Griffin been? I, I, I that haven't team watched is terrible. Of them. Although, whatever they <laughs> told Jeremy Grant, they, whatever they told Grant, they weren't fucking lying because that guy is shooting a lot of shots that he should not be shooting. Listen, the Houston Rockets have traded James Harden to your Brooklyn Nets. My mind went in 30 different directions when I heard this trade. Obviously, (laughs) mine too. Sean, obviously, you were the first person I thought of. I probably texted you. Was I the one that told you because you just wrote, wow? Was I? I, Yeah, so my phone wasn't on me at the time. So I saw your text and then I went on Twitter and VR and it went nuts. But yeah, you were. I I broke the news. You were my woes. Yeah, you broke the news. Wow. I'm happy to be that for you. Um, all right, let's break it down, and then we're going to talk about, um, I guess, each team that got players, although we really only care about Houston and um, and Brooklyn. Obviously, I mean, the Nets. I, I, think, I think Indiana has Indiana's interesting as well. Yeah. And the Cavs, too. You know what? We'll talk about all of them. Fuck it. All right. It's going to be a long pot, everybody, so fucking buckle in. It's New York Sports Day. <laughs> it's New York Sports Week. Um, sports Orgy Week. Yes, New York Sports Orgy. Um, so obviously the Brooklyn Nets got James Harden. Um, the Houston Rockets got a package that included Karis LeVert. They immediately flipped him for a Victor Oladipo, who is in a contract year. Uh, the Rockets got Oladipo, Dante Exum, Karox, who I know you were a fan of. All right, now I'm going to rattle off some picks here, All right, which honestly try not to have your heart skip a beat because I know you've had a history with um, unprotected draft, <laughs> draft picks. Three unprotected Brooklyn Nets first-round picks, 2022, 24, and 26. Four unprotected Nets pick swaps, 2021, 2023, 25, and 27. And a 2022 Milwaukee Bucks first-round pick from Cleveland. The Cavaliers acquire Jared Allen. I'm a big fan of him. Terion Prince, I'm also a fan of him. And the Pacers... Add Karis Levert and a second round selection. The screenshot that I took from Bleacher Report doesn't say where the second rounder is coming from, nor do I really care. Okay. Now, do you want me to tell you my reactions first, or do you want to go? I think as a resident net fan, I should go first. Go because for you it, could be buddy. more objective. You have the floor. Fucking wow. I mean... You and I have been on this pod when we did our NBA preview and when we did our last one, and maybe even the one before that, where we said he's going to Philly. It was the, made the most sense. And the Nets, their depth was so attractive. They get off to that 2-0 start, kill the Warriors, kill the Celtics. And then everything kind of went nuts. And we'll talk about Kyrie at length a little bit later. But th- this was a move that materialized, Sean Mark said, very quickly. James Harden certainly made sure of that by not even trying his last game against the Lakers and then saying this team's not good enough to win and I'm out in a post-game press conference, so that was great. And then the Rockets saying, well, we're not even going to have you come to practice because you can't be here after that. So 
<laughs> for the Brooklyn Nets. Their window is now. This is what happens in the NBA when you're a win-now team and you have win-now superstars like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. The Nets' depth is very attractive on paper, but it's not super attractive when you watch every minute of every game, which I do. Mm-hmm. Torian Prince did not have a role on this team. Rodion's Kurooks was at the bottom of the bench. He can play in this league. I'm not saying he's an all-star. I'm not saying he's a guy but that you have to have. He's a nice player. He, he plays the two through the four. He can the three a little bit, play some defense. As a former second-round pick, if you can get something like that, you know, he's a pretty solid player. Uh, um, Jared Allen hurts because Oof. he took a big t- big step forward this year. Jared Allen has, to me, always been the kind of center that gets bigger talk about because he's on a team that's not great, a mediocre team at best. And he really abuses inferior centers but is almost unplayable against the elite. This year it changed. He was playing... He literally had a perfect game against Rudy Gobert. And I don't grade him against Jokic. Not really his fault. Jokic kind of guy. He developed more offensive moves. He's gotten a little bit bigger. He rebounds better. That was a tough one to lose. Karis LeVert I love. Karis LeVert's one of my favorite players. He helped build this culture like Allen. But I don't know if he's a great player on – or a damn good player. I can't say great. He's a damn good player on a mediocre team or if he can take – except to be a third star, much like the Kenny Atkinson thing last year. I don't know if he can be a coach to win a title team, but apparently win for a title team, but apparently the rest of the team said, eh, he's not. Okay, I have to take that at face value. You get an opportunity to get one of the most prolific scorers in the history of the NBA at a price that is going to cost a lot. Those draft picks to me, there's not much more that's highly overvalued in all of sports as far as commodities than NBA draft picks outside of MLB prospects. They are built there unless they completely have a situation like the 2013 Celtics trade where your franchise point guard keeps up on you and you literally have nothing else there. Okay, but you know what? The Nets somehow found a way to get out of that because they got Levert and Allen and other pieces. To me... Fuck it. Be damned. We saw what the Lakers gave up for AD, and they were the only team that AD would go to, by the way. Still gave Ingram and Hart and and a couple picks. To me, it was more than worth it. I have some trepidation, obviously. The Nets don't have a history of these things working out, but you have a chance to make this happen. I think you do it. That's my piece. You be yours. Okay. A little homery, but you said a lot of facts there. Yeah. So, I didn't say great trade. Damn everybody else. We just we just won the title. No, I agree. I'm just busting your chops. I know. Um, now the first thing I did when I when I saw the, I understand what you said that draft picks. My first reaction was wow, obviously, which is what you texted me. My second reaction was this is one of the most win now moves I've ever seen. Um. My third reaction was to go online and check to make sure that um, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving aren't on one-year one year guaranteed deals and then player options because you'd be totally fucked then if this fell apart um, because you guys gave up a crazy amount of draft picks, understandably so. James Harden's a top three player, um, and that's the kind of capital you're going to have to give up. But 
I've never seen a team mortgage their future more than this. Um, but this one I think may work out for the Nets because Kevin Durant is on a four-year deal. I believe Kyrie Irving is also on a four-year deal. James Harden is locked up for how many more years, Sean? Two? He's in the same timeline as Kyrie, Katie, and DeAndre. Okay. I don't, don't mention DeAndre in that same breath. Fuck him. Um, no, I'm just saying he's on the same <laughs> timeline as that group, yeah. Um, they're all on four years, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you did mortgage the future, but you do have time. You didn't buy a year. You bought a lot of time, and you got a player that has plenty of prime left, right? My only concern is I understand what you're saying about that team depth, right, that you lost some depth, but there there's three major concerns. One, Jared Allen was playing almost damn near out of his mind this season, and I think the Brooklyn Nets might have a big man problem now. When it comes to buyout time, maybe a Tyson Chandler or something, he seems to get bought out every single year and becomes available or somebody of that ilk. So maybe the Nets can help themselves out there. He's obviously not going to be Jared Allen, but if that turns into James Harden, fine. I'm concerned for you guys definitely at the big man position. That's number one. Number two, this team, when you play with them in 2K, is going to be a lot of fun, but... All three of these guys, I'm, you know what? Two out of the three of them, really, 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 aside from Russell Westbrook, probably the two most in the league, need the ball in their hands in order to be productive. Kevin Durant, he played with the Warriors. Fair enough. He knows how to play team basketball. He enjoys it. Have you ever watched James Harden on a possession where he didn't have the ball in his hands? I am... Worried slash curious to see what happens because there is going to be a lot more possessions where he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And third, I think that they need to expand this team's sports psychologist department by 40 <laughs> if they haven't done it already because these are the three absolute, and I love them all, and I'm sure they're great guys, but they are fucking nut jobs. And you're not wrong on any of those things, my friend. And and for me, those are three red flags that are outweighed by the amount of talent on these guys. And I think they're the automatic favorite in the Eastern Conference. I guess what you have to ask yourself is what is what wins in today's league? It's talent, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we saw Anthony Davis wear that. That's all folks shirt after his last game in New Orleans, pushing his way out of there, trying to get to the Lakers. No one, and I say this truthfully, has done it as poorly as what James Harden did. And that is reprehensible, and that is classless. What he, I don't care what he said in his But hey, you know what? Today. He's in a Nets uniform now, and he's... Probably the best one of the one of the best scorers ever and the best pure scorer in the league. Actually, you know what? No, he's the second best because Kevin Durant is if we're gonna talk Nets basketball, he is fucking hundred percent. Kevin Durant is the most efficient scorer I've ever seen. Oh, he's I've ever seen. Unbelievable. I watched almost and, the entire game against my Knicks. I was in class, but I was obviously watching it on the side. Professor didn't make me turn the camera on. Um nice. but I mean or maybe we'll talk Knicks for about five seconds on this podcast, but Kevin Durant is one thousand percent back. He is Dude, he's, absolutely he's unbelievable. Remarkable. Okay, but back he's to remarkable. James Harden. Back to James Harden. All yeah. right. 
So for those who are listening, I'm sure Sean already knows this. I know you already know this, but I'll give everyone a little bit of a history lesson. And Shaq did it well a few nights ago on NBA on TNT, but maybe people miss it. All right. James Harden asked for Dwight Howard. He gets it. James Harden asked for Chris Paul. He gets it. James James Harden wants to get rid of Chris Paul. He gets it. James Harden wants his buddy, Russell Westbrook. He gets it. A fucking year later, James Harden doesn't want to play with Russell Westbrook. He gets traded. He wants, he's been playing over the summer with John Wall. He gets it. Then James Harden says, we're still not good enough. I still want to trade. I don't care. Shows up to this current season out of shape. Obviously still plays very well. Putting up 44. Looking like, I think you compared him to Kimbo Slice, maybe. Yeah, I know. everybody did. I just I jumped on that bandwagon. Yes, well, it was a great comp. He was a little thicker. RIP Kimbo Slice again. Um, tries to sabotage the team by just not giving a shit, showing up out of shape. Not to mention being caught in public places, including strip clubs. Shout out to all the strip clubs in NYC. I'm sure they're going nuts right now. Oh, yeah. Um, that business is about to be booming. Yes, if it wasn't already. Um, everybody say socially distant in those places. Show, being caught without <laughs> his mask on, just genuinely not being a, a professional human being. And then he has the audacity to, like you said, in the past game where they got absolutely mollywopped by the Lakers, go into a press conference in a game where he could have been anywhere else in the world and he would have been happier, absolutely airmailed it in and just said, this team isn't good enough. Not to mention him saying he's done all he can. James, you haven't done all you could. I'm sorry, but you have one Western Conference Finals appearance and we could look at your playoff resume. And I think Kyrie and Kevin Durant, if you guys do win a Finals, are going to really carry you in the playoffs. But every year you ran out of gas or you've choked it away. Not a single thing you said was wrong. And that's something that you and I have been in lockstep on during the pods and during the NBA postseason yes. in 18-19 and but, in the bubble this year. With that being said, he is a top three to five player in the NBA, top two scorer, and he's on your team. And I hate to say this, I genuinely do, but I'm happy for you, buddy, because it, it whatever it's going to be, it's either going to be you know amazing or it's going to be an absolute the biggest dumpster fire in the history of the world. It's going to be entertaining. I don't want to continuously say the same thing over and over again, but I feel like I have to because the franchise keeps making me. This is not a franchise that gets the right to pick about watching players the fan base likes. Like, this is a team that's biggest as an NBA franchise is getting their dicks kicked in in two straight finals by the Lakers and the Spurs 20 years ago. Their their achievement as the Brooklyn Nets is either rebuilding this culture or going to the second round of the playoffs. Losing with, to Toronto. Uh, lost to Miami. Yes, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, beat Toronto they in beat seven Toronto, with yeah. Pierce and Garnett and, and Williams and all of that. Uh, this team is going to be the team let's uh, that is let's also give a shout out to Dr. J in the NBA days. He won a title there. He did, but I said NBA. So no, I know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be NBA overlooked. Nets. I'm a huge fan of the no, doctor. I know. 
Well, that's good. What's actually funny is if you want to tie those years together, and I'm a huge fan of Dr. J, too. How can you not be, especially once he went to Philly? Hey, the Nets have won a championship more recently than the Knicks have. Fuck you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you were the one that brought it up. I Um, know, I know. Yeah, but uh, you got to take this chance. You have to absolutely take the chance, and I think there's a couple of other factors in play here. With Kyrie Saga that, again, we will discuss soon in a second <laughs> you need a security blanket for kevin durant and kevin durant you, know, very you know what the much- crazy part is it's like <laughs> they're both great players but it's like ooh, kyrie irving is a little off the reservation we need a security blanket we need somebody with a little more mental fortitude we need james harden <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah not not the greatest thing um but we've seen Kevin Durant, the, the report that Woj said was he very much wanted Harden. Yeah. And this does give you security blanket. I have watched every minute of every night this year. I really have. Even when they've been there. You're a league game. pass guy now, bro. I am, man. It feels good. And I was watching some of your Knicks Cavs earlier, honestly, just in case we were going to talk Knicks for a little bit. I was actually thinking Jared Allen and Prince were playing them. Oh, no, wait. They're not ready to be playing yet. But, um,. The the thing with the Nets Any was... Any other year they would, so, but not in a COVID year. True. So the depth is so overrated on this team because it's a star-driven league. And listen, Levert can fucking ball. But Levert had 48 in Memphis last Friday, and the Nets lost. Mm-hmm. Allen, really good player, really good player, especially now this year. The Nets were going to have to pay him. He was he did not sign an extension during the extension period before the season. So he's up for big cash. The Nets can't afford him. So he was going to be on the trading block. They were not going to be able to re-sign him after this year. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. Torian Prince, dude, absolutely lost. You knew I was really excited when the Nets brought him in. Good three guy with Atlanta. Shoot for his life last year. Didn't come to the bubble. And then this year has just been a complete fish out of water, having no real role. Shannon hasn't played well. He there's too many guys well. on this. There's right. There's too many guys on this team where their roles are not defined. If you're not Kyrie, Kate, Joe Harris, you really don't have a role on this team. And now what you're doing is kind of thinning it out, and you're getting one of the top two or three scorers in the league in James Harden. The other thing, too, that needs to be mentioned here, Kevin Durant, with Kyrie's absence, but even with Kyrie back, Kevin Durant was playing about 38 or 40 minutes a night when he was playing. He's coming off an Achilles rupture. You can't be doing that. James Harden plays, for whatever you want to say about James Harden, he plays every fucking game and plays a lot. And I think a lot of the reason his postseason struggles have been so is he's simply out of gas. You can't play that way for 82 games, 72 this year, and then do that same deep into a playoff run. It just doesn't happen. There can now be nights where KD's not on the floor, and James Harden will just do James Harden things. Karis LeVert couldn't do that every night. You couldn't bank on Princeton. couldn't bank on Allen to do that. This was, to me, I understand there are a lot of risks and it was really sad to see Karras go and really sad to see Allen go. The other ones, more than happy. The picks hurt, but a couple of those picks and pick swaps aren't going to matter. Last point People were here saying that I... back when you traded for KG. But that was so different. <laughs> that was so different. Kidding. Shout that out, was shout out Billy King. Thing. 
Yeah, right. That was a one-year thing. Let's not forget, he also gave the pick that turned into Damian Lillard away for Gerald Wallace before that trade. Gerald Wallace is part of that Boston trade. Yeah, not great. Um, Listen, the Knicks are no better. Check out my Diary of a Knicks fan article. The last time my fingers worked. All all I'm going to say is this. If KD wanted him so bad, Harden that is, what this does now is, and Woj pointed this out on Sports Day, this now allows the Nets much more leverage and much more ability to keep Durant past his current contract. Because the player the Nets care the most about, it's not Kyrie, it's not Harden, it's KD. Mm-hmm. And if this keeps KD in Brooklyn, it's more than worth it, and those picks won't mean shit. So it's a huge risk, it's a huge gamble. You're a win-now team, you're a team that has never done anything. Fucking go all in, don't half-ass it. The team that I was watching felt kind of half-assed, part superstar, part not. Now it's all superstar, and uh, they're the villains of the East. Absolutely, man. Um, before we move on to the Kyrie saga, uh, I can't believe we're talking about another fucking Kyrie saga. Um, Jesus. I mentioned my three red flags. Two, I mean, listen, the horse is already out of the barn or whatever you want to say. You traded for Harden. So the sports psychologist thing, that's somewhat of a joke, somewhat probably not really. And the not enough <laughs> basketball thing, you're going to have to figure that out. Harden's on this team. Durant's on this team. Kyrie's on this team. The third was the lack of, of a big man. Uh, I really do think they need to solve that, especially with Philly playing the way they are. I think they will, and that's a really – I'm glad you brought that back around, man. Great job podcasting by you. Um, the Nets right now have – the disabled players exception, which is $5.5 million for Dinwiddie, who's probably going to be out for the year, and Nets just need to announce that. That's so they have the, Imagine him I on know. this team. Oh, my God. Well, that's the nice thing, too, is for next year, he's still on the team, mm-hmm. and he's back because it's the last year of his deal. Um, you have the mid-level exception, which the Nets never signed anybody with. So that's 5.7, and they have the vet minimum, and they have a two-way. Now there's talks in the NBA that sound it might even be done by the time we're done recording where they're going to expand rosters because COVID has been an issue. So that opened up another two-way option. This could conceivably add five players to this roster with good players on the buyout market or on the trade market. The Nets, I saw, have seven second-round picks in the next four years. Mm. You can package a couple of those together for a P.J. Tucker or a... um, I don't know, JaVale McGee, somebody like that. Just get just get big guys or, or stretch guys. It's I think Sean Marks even hinted at it. Or did he flat out said it. This roster is far from done. Mm. I trust Marks and I know that they're gonna make some moves. They will not finish the season with their fives being DeAndre Jordan and Jeff Green playing the five. Yeah, man. I was watching that next game and I was like, Oh, Sean's favorite player back from when we were doing our uh Throwback top five games, Jeff Green. Dude, you know what's so funny, too, about that game? Was Green honestly has been pretty good this year in the role he's played. DeAndre Jordan played his best game of the year by far against your Knicks. And I thought it was pretty good because Robinson's a fucking stud, so he didn't play against nobody. Mm -hmm. He was energized. He was getting bored. He was blocking shots, playing defense. He hadn't done any. That's why Jared Allen got so much run. He was a much better player, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, I, I think they have a move to make. I mean, I don't think Clint Capella is playing a lot of minutes down at Atlanta. You could maybe reunite him with Harden and have a little 
pick and roll lob kind of thing, maybe just a clone of DeAndre Jordan um, to come off the bench. And then I think another guy is obviously PJ Tucker. That's like Harden's running mate. Basically, that's I mean they've been on the same team for for a pretty long time. He's been around the league a while, and I think he does a lot. He's a good corner three guy, and he's tough. Tough as nails, plays great defense on three through five. I, I think that's another guy who you'd be really happy to get. But we're going to have to see how that unfolds. They have plenty of time. We're only, what, 13 games into the season, mm-hmm. if that. So uh, there's going to be a lot to look into. It'd be a real shame if this season got canceled on Sean. A real fucking shame. <laughs> <laughs> they need perimeter defense and they need rim protectors. Their scoring is fine. Yeah, absolutely. They they're they just need defense flat out. Um, and the guy they brought in is not known for his defense. Um, no, he's not. Let's talk about one more Nets thing, and then I guess we'll briefly talk about the Knicks, go around the league. Um, and then, can you believe it? We are in NFL playoffs, but we're an hour and six, minute into, six minutes into the pod. We still haven't even mentioned the NFL. New York sports orgasm. I, I can believe it. This is what happens when you have a week like this, bro. We're we're not going to sleep anytime soon. No, not at all. Um, all right, let's jump in. Talk some negatives. Talk Kyrie. Ugh. <laughs> we'll make it quick, bro. So why don't you? Because you're the local Nets fan. You already announced it at the beginning. You uh, you flaunted it. All of your clothes are off at this point after talking Yankees as well as Nets. Um, why don't you break down what's going on with Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets? Kyrie Irving went MIA before the Thursday game last week against Philadelphia. So that's eight days ago, nine days ago, maybe when you hear the pod. Um, just decided he wasn't going to show up and didn't travel to Memphis for that game and then didn't come back for OKC, which was the first game Durant was uh, due back and did play after COVID protocols and clearing those. And during that time, he has been caught on Instagram Live for his sister and father's birthdays at a club maskless. He was on a Zoom call during a game against the Denver Nuggets for a district attorney, uh, someone who's up for district attorney of New York and their campaign. Um, And he's apparently been just completely off the grid. And the only person that can get through to him, according to Woj, who I trust with everything, is Kate. And this is the Kyrie Irving experiment that I said, thank God that we have KD. Because if this was Kyrie alone, this is Darren Williams all over again. And I'll just say this. I was kind of mad we didn't record Tuesday because Stephen A. said it Wednesday. And I was like, fuck, I was going to say that on the podcast. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Kyrie. You're a really good dude. Your philanthropy is amazing. You are unbelievably charitable. Your heart is in the right place. You care very much about what we led the pod with. A lot of god-awful aspects of what this country currently stands for and where this current where this country currently is. I am totally behind you. You are not a bad dude. But you're being a piece of shit teammate. You are not there for your team, paying you a max deal, max money. And if your heart is not to be an NBA player, if you want to just play basketball on the side, play basketball anywhere else. You're more than welcome to. I want the commitment of being, having to do media, media appearances. If you don't want to 
be at the arena when you don't want to be, if you don't want to have to do, uh, uh, you know, things with the organization, if you don't want to play certain games. If you don't want to be retire. a professional basketball player. Yeah, just, just retire. Yeah, j- just retire. And, and I would not hold it against you. Just retire. If this is not where your heart is, if this is not where your head is, just retire. Because this is fucking ridiculous. And as I'm not going to say that I didn't have trepidations. I will say that I tried to paint the picture really fucking pretty when the Nets got him. And here's why. I'm going to outline it again. And then I'll get your take. You're getting paid max money. This is the first professional NBA team that you got to choose to play for. You're playing with your best friend, who's top three player in the NBA. Last year was kind of your grace period. You're now fully healthy. You're playing for the team you said you grew up rooting for. Your family is 10 miles away. What in the fuck can you possibly be complaining about knowing that the team you're playing for has a chance to win a championship? This is fucking ridiculous. You're not going to be happy here. When are you ever going to be happy? It's unacceptable. You can't do this in any line of work. He can't play tomorrow because the Nets are like, dude, you showed up. We don't know what shape you're in. You're not going to play tomorrow in Harden's first game. We hope to see you Monday. Sean Marks is like, very matter of fact, where we need an explanation that is going to be justified. He was fined fifty thousand by the NBA for violating protocols. He was fined eight hundred thousand dollars by the Nets for missing games during quarantine because he was obviously not being careful. It, this is the Kyrie Circus. I should have seen it coming. I wish I was more for you know. I wish I had more foresight on it. It's fucking upsetting. This is why you get James Harden, because I think the combo of Durant and Harden, even with the diminished supporting cast, might be better than Durant and Irving with the supporting whole supporting cast, knowing that Irving can pull it. I don't get it. It's fucking unreal. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you what. I've had to miss family events for a lot less than an NBA max contract when it comes to work. But, I mean... I'm not surprised, man. You fooled me once, Cleveland Cavaliers. Wants to leave LeBron. Shame on me. You fooled me twice, Boston Celtics saga. Shame on you. What happens when you fool me three times, bro? I know. And they seem to be getting progressively worse. I mean, this time he straight up doesn't show up. He's out and about in a pandemic. We all make mistakes. Don't get me wrong, but, I mean, come on, man. You're a fucking public figure. Goddamn. You say you love basketball, just play the fucking game. You know what the worst part about it is, too, is it's it's shitty on the fans. And I don't usually bring up the fans. I'm very pro-player. I'm very anti-owner. I support the millionaires much more than the billionaires. I, I applaud the philanthropic work that Irving and a lot of the NBA players do while the NBA owners put a lot of it in their pockets. But you know what? I've rooted for this team. There's a lot of other net fans out there who root for this team, whether they're current fans, bandwagon fans, whatever. Kevin Durant's out with the protocols. All the shit at the Capitol. I want to watch a basketball game. I understand it affects you. The thing that bothers me is about you not playing, and if he did cite, which he hasn't done, by the way, if, if, if what happened at the Capitol last Wednesday and all of the political and social unrest has really the point where he can't play if that's your excuse now you're putting your teammate where if they play 
the next question is going to be, well, what, did they not care as much? Well, I mean, Sean, I, I honestly genuinely wouldn't be surprised because if you don't remember, he was the one who was most vehemently against having an NBA bubble and continuing a season No, I remember last year. it well. I remember um, it well. So I, I really wouldn't be surprised. Um, but the, but it, it just baffles me because the guy refuses to talk to a media. You could use all of your press conference kind of as a microphone to to express how you feel. I mean, you saw how all these other players are doing it. You have D'Angelo Russell, Russell having in in Minnesota asking the reporters how they felt about it, and that was a great video that went viral. And, and all these other players using that platform, obviously LeBron and and, and a bunch of other players, yet you ignore the media, who at this point could be one of your, your best assets. Dude, even and fuck that. And that's like that. the tip of the iceberg, right? Dude, even honestly, fuck that. Great point, but honestly, fuck that. You also have Instagram Live, which he's used a lot. You have Twitter. You have Facebook. You have Snapchat. You have all of these avenues you can go on kevin durant's podcast you can do anything you want to get your message across that's not going to be misconstrued by the fucking media it's your voice on your platform and he chooses to go radio silent that is not okay you can't do that and i've said this before you and i have very much been in line on this we do not take i'm going to speak for both of us we do not take mental health as a joke We do not take any of this as a, hey, you're a player making lots of money, fucking show up. He is a late 20s adult living in a big city with a lot of problems going on, just like the rest of us. We still show up to work. We still have to deal with it. If we made enough money, maybe we wouldn't. I'm very sympathetic to whatever he's going through. I hope that someday he will clear the air and talk about what's gone on so we can fully evaluate it because I'm not going to lie man it makes me a little uncomfortable shitting on him it really does because I if something god forbid terrible happened and he's just not telling us because he's a super private guy I'm a pretty private guy that would be really bad and I would I would very much regret that absolutely but because we don't have the benefit of the doubt and because we don't have anything other than his past to go off of I have to kind of call him to the carpet I know you're going to agree I totally understand that, and if there is anything that does come out, then you know what? We, we're going to eat our words, and we're going to either apologize or, or say that we understand, but guess what? If I have something going on, whether it be mentally, whether I be sick or whatever, you know what I do? I call in sick to work, or I just say I can't work today. He didn't even do that. He went straight up MIA. You said it. I mean, he didn't even let his employers know, right? Yeah, they didn't let anybody know. And and uh, Nash and Marks both said that he's eager to get back to the court. Great. I've heard as many crazy things about him and Durant being distant. I've heard about him being pissed at the front office for Nash being here, although he's complimented Nash. I've heard everything. And, and, and the problem with Kyrie, and again, why I don't, it's so hard to defend him. Now, do you think, fan, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, do you think, the Harden deal had anything to do with this Kyrie saga? I mean, I know the Kyrie saga happened earlier where they're like, holy shit, you know, we're all in on this season and whatnot. Um, do we need to get somebody else in here in case this guy just completely, we lose him? I would probably always say yes, but knowing Marks, I'll say 
he saw the way the supporting cast was, and he said. But I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm not saying hard. was it the I'm not saying was it the only reason. I'm saying, do you think that played into it at all? Knowing Marks, I'm going to say no. Okay, but my my head. I didn't know you yes. and the guy were going out to dinner and like hanging out. Like you're saying, you know him, you know. Well, I mean, hearing him <laughs> talk honestly all the time about everything. Hey, if he was one of my sports fathers, which he might be, Ooh. especially if the Nets win a title, uh, he should be anyway. Being as how what he's brought this team to be after where they were when he took over, but um, everything that he says is pretty much in. in it's the same message all all the time. I will say that I think it has something to do with it. If you can't count on your second best player to show up, you need another great player who can win games on their own for you. So KD doesn't have to play forty minutes a night. I and listen. I just to cap it off. The situation isn't funny at all. Whatever. I. It's just so ironic. It's like. <laughs> We can't trust the guy to show up, so we're going to get the guy that that breaks all <laughs> protocols, shows up to work out of shape, says the team's not good enough, and is a frequent without his mask on at strip clubs. Dude, it is him. funny and crazy, but I really he think plays, he though, did that. though, so fuck it. That's the, that's the... I really think a lot of that shit that Harden did was his way of sabotaging that situation. Again, I don't condone it. It's about as bad of a job as you can possibly do. But he's he, he answers the bell. Like, he's yeah. there every game. I mean, it's, you know, if you put it on the Mount Rushmore of just guys that can just show up to work and do it, I mean, it's Tim, Allen Iverson, Mickey Mantle, and, I mean, Babe Ruth slash Michael Jordan. Facts. Those guys could show up drunk, hungover, fucking no matter what. Hot dog induced comas. Yes, you know, um, and they still did it. I mean, geez, you hear so many stories about them. Never sleeping, whatever. Last thing on this whole Nets thing for you. You picked them to be the number one seed in the East. Yeah, good. Job but I believe you. you had Philadelphia going to the finals. Does this change your opinion on any of this? Real fast and real. Also, second part of that question. Philadelphia apparently was really going for him. They offered Simmons. And for some reason, the, the trade to Brooklyn happened. A, do you still have Philadelphia coming out of the East? And B, do you think this really hurts Philadelphia? I mean, I think it's, it makes Philadelphia's task a lot more difficult. But no, I, I still think Philly's going to the finals. Embiid's a fucking animal. Okay. The guy's playing like an MVP right now. Um, as long as he can stay healthy, I still have Philly as my finals pick. Um, I think the Nets are going to be more to look forward to next year. This Kyrie saga, I, I raise my red flags. I don't have to say them again. Um, and I think there's going to be a feeling out process. I mean, I know KD and, and Harden played together before, but Harden wasn't this. Harden was a six man the last time they played. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he went from being a sixth man to the most ball dominant player in the league, aside from Russell Westbrook, and sometimes even more. Um, by a mile. So I think there's going to be a filling out process, a little maturation process to this. And Philly's got the ball rolling. And you know what? I'm going to say this. I think Philly had a better deal in line. But I think Tito Furtada, or whatever his name is, the owner of the Rockets, is a fucking idiot. And he just didn't want to deal with Daryl. He didn't want to deal with Daryl, and he wanted the picks. Yeah. In case this shit goes south real fast, uh, he's going to pull Boston. Yeah. I don't see it happening. Uh, I would. I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't care about all those picks because none of those players are going to be Ben Simmons. Um, well, at least 
I can have a guaranteed Ben Simmons over a possible, whoever the hell they are. Um, I, I still have Philly making it to the finals. Okay, that's more than fair. I uh, I don't know what the fuck to make of the East. Right now, Milwaukee, to me, is the most impressive team. Um, do me a favor. Talk about your Knicks for a few minutes, and then give me your three most surprising, in a good way, things that you've noticed since we last talked. All right, my Knicks. Julius Randle, for a split second there, was going shot for shot with KD and your Brooklyn Nets. Um, I mean, the Knicks were down 12 or something like that, but, you know, I... I might have to slow my roll a little bit on that because the guy has been passing the ball really well and the offense has been flowing through him. And he's shooting beyond, I believe, 40% from three. Um, and he's and he's always been a player that tried on both ends of the floor. So I can't really fault him for that. Um, aside from that, this team is still playing extremely hard. And I think you see a lot of blowouts in the NBA nowadays. A lot of teams on these back-to-backs, a lot of players out of shape because they thought we were going to come back in March. The Knicks are not one of them. They give 110% every single game, and I think most of that credit is going to go to Tom Thibodeau for me. And I really like what I've seen. Obviously, the one guy I didn't mention last time was Austin Rivers. I think he has really brought this team together and he's more than a glue guy because he can he can fill it up if need be and and he's got more of a position on this team than he has ever before and I'm loving what I'm seeing with RJ Barrett. I understand the three point numbers are not there yet, but and he was in like an 0 for 12 funk, but he broke out of it in that Nets game. He's been playing really well and I'm happy with what I'm seeing. You guys do play extremely hard. That was one thing I took away from that. I, I think that overall, your your defense is there. Your biggest problem is is you just shots. You just cannot shoot. You don't have anybody team get him at least score at any point. Even Randall, he'll get onto a hot streak, but then he'll miss his next four. Yeah, Barrett Barrett can't hit threes. Well, you're not going to be able Tom, to keep up with teams when you've got KD. Who, I mean, Rachel Nichols. Was it Rachel Nichols? No. Doris Burke. Yeah, Doris Burke put it perfectly in the Nets game. There was a back-to-back possession where the the Knicks were dribbling the air out of the ball, passing it around for 23 seconds out of the shot clock. And then they finally get a shot off. Julius Randle hits an extremely tough, he thought it was an N1 jumper. KD dribbles down in about four seconds, pulls up from three and makes it, and she goes, watch how hard the Knicks had to play to get that basket, and Kevin Durant took three seconds to get that shot off, and it's automatic. Right. And the Knicks the Knicks can't, don't have any players that are going to be able, at this point in time, to create easy offense. So, yeah, they do play hard, but they're not going to beat the really good teams in this league because they just don't have the players to put the ball in the hole like that. Which, again, is fine, and you hope that That's you okay. can. Yes, you just don't want to be an embarrassment, which I really don't think you are. No. If you I'm, don't have the talent, that's fine. But if you play hard and you're well coached and you play good defense, which you do, I mean, your games are relatively low scoring. Mm-hmm. It's it, I, That's something that can build. You just defense, not having talent is a different deal. Defense in the NBA, I want to say, is probably like 75 to 80% effort. And they are playing incredible defense. I give all the credit in the world to Thibodeau. Hopefully he doesn't wear on his players too much. I think it takes a few years for that act to get old. Um, 
And I really like what I've seen with Barrett. I mean, the guy is fucking automatic for mid-range. And what that means to me is with a few more years under his belt, that's going to stretch out to the three-point line. Especially if he gets players around him where he can get to his spot on the floor. And get open shots shots more easily, yeah. Uh, Toppin hasn't played that much, so uh, I... You know, the jury is still out on him. I like his energy. Um, I think Thibodeau is going to get him playing defense um, properly. I I see a desire for to play defense there. It's just kind of not really a know-how. So maybe they'll get him in the right position and he'll become a more intelligent defender. Um, and I, I just – I really like this team. I'm having fun with them. Good. That's important. And you know what? Again, we'll continue to Tell you what, they're exceeding it. my expectations. They're, they're a team that you don't feel embarrassed to root for. Yeah. That's a nice change of pace. That, that's nice, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I'm not going to – we're not going to have to uh, have a peaceful – and again, I say peaceful – protest outside of the garden, garden demanding Dolan to sell the team. And they have a sense of direction for once. This is, this is the first year of – the new core that is hopefully going to get you to the point where you're getting free agents and have the opportunity to win. And it's a building process. You know that, but you have players that are fun to watch and fun to root for, even when they go through those growing pains. Absolutely. Uh, so you're all right there. What are the three most exciting things or things that have caught your eye in a good way that you've seen around the league since we last talked last Wednesday? Okay. So we're just going to go on the court here. Um, the Lakers, yeah, are even, the, the Lakers are even better than I thought, and LeBron is playing some of the best basketball of his career. Um, Jesus. He's making a play. <laughs> That's such a crazy thing to year say. Year 18, uh, he's making a run for the MVP. Um, that Lakers team just got so much better. Harrell is an upgrade from anybody they had on that team. Kuzma looks better. Gasol, taking out Dwight Howard and putting in Gasol. Dwight Howard was a guy who could maybe alter a shot on defense and maybe catch a lob from LeBron on the other side. Gasol, you can run pick and roll with him. You can have him shoot threes. You can have him pass. He's an excellent passer. He's a much better defender than Dwight Howard, although he's not as athletic. He knows where to be. This team is just so much better. Schroeder, I can go on forever. That's my uh, that's my first one. What were you gonna say? Oh no, I was just gonna I was just gonna agree with you. I was just gonna say there's nothing wrong with this team right now. Absolutely. My number two, I'm gonna keep it in the Western Conference, and that's the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they went from a up and down team to Chris Paul slowing this team down a lot. Um, and, and Chris Paul and Booker haven't even been playing their best basketball yet, but they have been excellent. Um, Chris Paul is going to get his scoring up. He's going to play himself into shape like he always does. Um, Booker is a guy who obviously we know he can create off anything. Cam Johnson is just shooting the hell out of the ball. Miles Bridges, who we thought, what the fuck, like that was a wasted trade that they made for Zaire Smith and went out and got him. This guy, he had a career-high 34 a couple nights ago. He's shooting well above 30, or excuse me, 40% from three, and he's playing excellent defense. I mean, DeAndre Ayton, the pick and roll with him and Chris Paul looks really, really crisp. Chris and Chris, that was a tough one. Almost like nice. Manfred and Mandate. Dude, um, it's really, it's really tough thing to yes. say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know I made it look really easy there. Uh, I'm usually not that good. Yeah, um, real flick. I'm just bad with names. I can speak. Um, I I just really like this team, and I think their coach is great as well. 
they're, they're they might be the second best team in the in the West. Dude, they're the really Nuggets fun. Are 500. I know they're really fun. I watched the uh, Nuggets play the Nets a couple nights ago, and I was not impressed. I was obviously Jokic had a great game, but Murray was kind of hot and cold. And God damn, Murray has Murray has regressed to pre bubble Murray. We just don't know what the fuck he is. Like he's so capable of having the nights like he did in the bubble, but he's also so capable. They've lost of- me a lot of money gambling this year. Let me tell you. And we're gonna get to the college football playoffs That's in about three hours, but I lost a lot of money on that too. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of time before that. I was just gonna say you sound salty. I, I was gonna finish my point by saying, you know, he he can have those fifty-two point games. His efficiency is a real problem, though. I mean, it, it takes him a lot of shots to. 25 when he's off and that takes a lot away from the rest of the team they really miss jeremy grant hey congrats to jeremy grant you're filling up the stat sheet and getting your bag but holy shit did he fit so much better on that team i agree with you on phoenix i want to watch more of them since i have leaked past that's a team yeah, right? that i've said i want to watch more of i haven't watched them much but they're a team that excites me every time i see box scores what what's your what's your number one here my well, number one is the sixers man yeah I mean, I picked them to go to the finals, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But just, I mean, coming off back-to-backs and be killing guys on the second nights of back-to-backs, that just goes to show you how good a shape he's in. They played a close one a couple nights ago at the Heat, and I think they pulled it out on the second night of a back-to-back after a loss. And they just and Simmons wasn't playing. They look incredible. What, what got into Embiid? Is Doc Rivers? I think it's Doc, and and listen, I mean, all these players are active on social media. I think he heard, uh, I, I think he heard all the haters saying this guy's got to get in shape. I mean, they we've been saying that for the last three years, so it's interesting. About damn time, time but, right? Dude, I love it. Better late than never, right? I mean, yeah. I'm, I I was watching them play last night against Miami. I am and confident, they by the way, killed Miami, and we haven't seen. A lot of these teams, but especially Philly, who played with only seven players, and I believe Doc Rivers said Dwight Howard is going to play some point guard in one of these games. When they're at full force, when Seth Curry is back and these few other guys are back from their uh, Ben Simmons has a shoulder injury, Seth Curry had COVID, a few other players are in the protocol, I'm excited to see them at full strength. You know what's really interesting to me, man? So I, I I knew they were your number one team coming out of the East to be to represent the East in the finals against the Lakers, right? And I really hadn't watched them much. So I watched last Thursday. They play the Nets, and the Nets don't have KD or Kyrie or Tyler Johnson. They really – and not that Tyler Johnson's a huge factor, but another depth piece that they're not playing with. And Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and the Nets just ran them off the fucking floor. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's the same old fucking Sixers, right? Like they they're not they're they're taking a team lightly. They're not showing up. And then I'm watching them against the Heat last night in the second half of their two game series with the Heat. And I'm like, I don't know how to team. Again, they were home in the Nets game. They weren't even without fans. That seems to still be a factor for yeah, them, at least yeah. in the very small sample size that i've watched is, is that true or am i off base on that no you're there man they the home road splits are the only thing that really concern me but hey if they can get themselves a top two seed until they get to the conference finals they're they're gonna have a majority of the games at home so i'm still looking okay oh you absolutely are and if Embiid continues to play this way simmons can be healthy with that shoulder and, and curry you you said it so well on our nba pod i listened to it a few times just to make sure that like 
I really dug in on it. And you're so right. This team is so much more well-constructed than it was in the past. And I love Doc Rivers for this team, especially now watching the season unfold for three, through three weeks. It's it's night and day from the from the Brett Brown years. Yeah, man, why don't you give me your three, and then let's just give one disappointment. We don't have to get too depressing. All good. Um, so I was going to say Philly as one of my three as far as the most – there you go. It's surprising. I, I've I've liked everything I've seen from them. Number I have Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is leading. Oh, you went with a player. Absolutely, I'm going with a player I, instead of a team here. He he's validating why he got that max. He he's been unbelievable, and Zion's been in and out of the lineup and whatever. And, and New Orleans is still kind of a weird team to figure out. Um, but he's he's really impressed me, and the Charlotte Hornets. Are, are in my most surprising in, in a good way. I I love the way Lamelo has played. I think he's been really fun to watch. And Gordon Hayward, hey, they they way over. There's no doubt about that. But he's been really good this year when when he's played and killed the other night. It's this is a team that's fun to watch. I don't think that they're going to be super good, but off to a pretty good start, I think, and definitely much more attractive team than they've been in the past. Absolutely. Um, I agree with you across the board. The Hornets, the best way I could classify them is fun. I think that's a very – I think that's on Well, they point. haven't been – they have not been that forever. No, yes. And I like watching them play. I've, I've found myself watching a decent amount of Hornets games, or at least highlights – and I'm like, this is a nice surprise. Like, they're they're not a team. Like, you know, Lamelo could have been a bust. Maybe the the jury's out. But so far, he's fun. He's dropping dimes. He's hitting threes. He's making plays. Yes. I like him a lot. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty good. What's been your number one? Just get, yeah, like you said, get, I'll give, give you a one here. Uh, one more thing, I want to shout out. Steph Curry is amazing. Oh yeah, I know we missed him last me? year. Sixty plus points. Yeah, to me, when I labeled surprising, I couldn't really put that there. No, like a, no, 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 like no. A good thing. Guys won two MVPs, including you. Now, I so know, I shouldn't be but surprised. it is great to see him. I'm glad you shouted him out. Love you, Steph. Both of us. You're welcome on the pod. Please come on the pod. We love you. Um, what's your one most disappointing thing that you've seen so far this year come out of the league? My number one is the Denver Nuggets. I mean, this was yes. a team I believe to pick as a as a two seed, and they are at 500. Jokic looks out of shape this year. Murray, I don't know if he's out of shape or he's just mentally out of shape because he looks lost. And this team just does not look like they have enough. Porter's done. Everybody on that team is either mentally or physically out of shape, and they are 6-6. Six and six. It's going to be boring podcasting, but I'm right there with you. Watching them play the Nets and losing to a very undermanned Nets team, good God, dude, they're not that great. They're really not. No. I mean, you know, and, and I didn't think that Jerry and Grant was going to be that big of a mess for them. I, I thought he was going to be important, but I didn't think he was going to be this important. He really is. And then a quick brief number two is uh, maybe not the Dallas Mavericks as a team, but Luka. Yeah, he's starting to get back into it, though. He's, he's had our a couple guy. Of really good games in a row. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I played him in daily today. Hopefully I win a lot of money. Um but he got off to a slow start. But by far and beyond, the Denver Nuggets are my biggest disappointment. 
I don't think it's a discussion. I, how have and by the way, the other thing that is disappointing about. is sure. I don't know if you've watched any recent Nuggets games, but they were wearing these like heinous red jerseys. No, I just told you, bro. I watched them play the Nets the other night. They were in those horrible red unis, dude. Like the first thing I think of when I think Denver Nuggets, I think of that nice, crisp powder blue. The powder blue, you're talking the Carmelo years? Yeah, but they still incorporate that into their unis now, right? Like, even if it's an accent color. Not as much, though. They have that, like, the mile-high one with the blue and the yellow, like the navy blue and the yellow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They have the white. Yeah, but the the white incorporates the the powder blue. and, And then they come out with these disgusting red jerseys. I have never seen them before. And there has been a few teams this year where they have had some jerseys, and I'm like, and I know um, maybe two or three years ago they signed on with Nike, but Nike needs, listen, and I'm a big Nike guy, listen, Virgil is coming out with the new Off-White 10. If you guys can let me slide in there on sneakers, I will be happy on the sneakers app. I will be extremely happy. I know you probably have no idea what I'm saying right now, but like I have no clue. If anybody I like from Nike, Nike, but not for sneaks. If anybody is from Nike is listening, like let me get on that. But chill with these fucking uniforms, bro. There, why does teams have five unis? So the Nets throwbacks this year, they're wearing the blue from like the early '90s, like the Derek Coleman, Brazen Petrovic years. Almost, dude, I kind of like them, those. I saw them in the game, and like honestly, I don't hate this Nets uniform because I saw this Nets uniform one day when I was at work in Brooklyn, and I went into a Foot Locker just to like see what was going on. They were, I was like, yo, if I was a Nets fan, I would wear this jersey, like. You know what's With so a funny? T-shirt man. under it, it was You're, it was almost a tie dye. You all, that's because you got no fucking arms. But okay, the, um, okay. <laughs> but I have a Carrie Kittles jersey in that same color. Was it oh, was it always tie dye? Like there's a little hint of white in there. Yeah, dude. So the tie dye they did for like two years, from like '92 to '93, and then uh, yeah, like the '92 '93 season and the '93 '94 season, and then they went back to like the regular pattern, maybe blue with the red. Um, which leads me to believe that next year they're going to go with one of the like early 2000s ones, which I like. But anyway, I hate their fucking city one from like fired by an artist from Brooklyn. But it looks awful. It kind of has like a weird Walt Disney accent. Yes. Like, you know, like the Walt, like that doesn't look good. They wore it on Christmas. And then they have the gray ones, which is kind of their statement edition, which is kind of like a weird with like the stars down the side from the ABA Nets days. But it's just like gray with white kind of Honestly, font. Whoever's designing these jerseys, like across the league, because I've seen some stuff with the Knicks too that I'm just not a fan of. What? wearing on wednesday night what the fuck was that oh yeah dude like like i said like whoever's doing this shit at nike and whoever's designed it's like you're doing too much man like you're basically creating all new teams with these jerseys i don't like them at all so going back to denver i gotta ask you a quick question those red unis or the utah jazz mountain orange fucking unis those orange and red ones I the my eye has become because those are those are relatively like those aren't as new as these random no, ones they've worn I've seen. Like three years. So my eye is more used to those. So I will say get rid of those fucking Denver Nuggets red because 
the Denver Nuggets and the Red will never I will never associate the two. And I know this isn't like a fucking this these aren't the New York Yankees. Like you're not ruining the pinstripes here or you're not ruining Dodger blue. Like I know this isn't like a legendary franchise but still like if I think Nuggets I think white and blue. Hey, MLB has fucked that up too with the players weekend when the Yankees and played in 2019 out in LA. The Yankees were wearing those horrific black unis. And the Dodgers wore the white with the white font. Like, no, stop it. Keep them classic. Denver Nuggets, ditch those things starting next year. But Nike, I agree with you. Nike, all I got to say is use the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. Like it. Um, by the way, I've got a lot of Nike training gear. I like it more than Under Armour. Just putting that out there. I like Under Armour a lot, but I like Nike more. So they clean your shit up. Um, so you haven't Denver, moved on to the Lululemon? No, I don't have a single Lululemon thing. Mm. Well, honestly, you could probably piece five of your Nike outfits together and still it'll cost less than a pair of Lululemon sweatpants. Well, facts, and I would not call anything I own outfits. That's certainly <laughs> not my not my thing. <laughs> my your Oprah yeah, sweatsuits. I'm, I'm, I'm coming out, dude, in like one of those like the Nike tank tops with the with – the, um, the runner's jacket over it, mm-hmm. and then like the the short, yeah, no, full on jumpsuit, no, baby. Do that. Yeah, no, don't we don't we don't do that here. Um, but yeah, Denver definitely big disappointment. Okay, uh, we've hit on all NBA, and now it's time to move on to the sport that's probably the most prevalent right now, but not necessarily a part of our New York sports orgy. Although we will lead before we get into the games. Tom, your New York Jets yet again have a new head coach, and this time I think you fucking hit the lottery. Give me your thoughts on your New York Jets new head coach, Robert Sala. I got to see who they hire as an offensive coordinator, but I am very excited about this. Um, I mean, listen, bottom line is he took a team to the Super Bowl last year, and this year a team that was absolutely decimated by injuries. Not even COVID. Just straight up regular injuries. He still had that defense playing hard through the end of the season. And they were in playoff contention for way longer than they should have been. And their defense was a major, major part of that. This is the anti-Adam Gase, and that's all you need to have. Period. He is... A culture change. He is a guy that will motivate, inspire, and make your team a destination. Don't question his ability to bring in good coaching, a, a good coaching staff, and a cohesive unit here. What I liked most about it was Douglas spearheaded the the search for him. There was no uh, outside counseling, which is nice. It's a far cry from what the Jets have done the last few times, and I like Todd Bowles, but this is a great hire. I, I truly believe that this is the hire that, that will change the culture and the overall feel around your franchise. You saw Richard Sherman tweet out last night, Jets just got a great one. Like This is a well-respected move, and WalterFootball.com graded this an A+. So that's all you need to know. I, I think that ecstatic. He's first is, of all. This has to make you the most excited that you've been in a long time for a hire, right? Absolutely. First of all, just on looks alone, 
I mean, he can rock the bald head. He is much better looking than Adam Gase. I do not think that he's going to shoot up a diner after one of these losses like I did think that Adam Gase was going to. Um, Agreed. And interesting, a Middle Eastern guy. I like that. I yeah, like Lebanese. A little bit, yes. Um, I, I like that. I like a little, you know, this is a very eclectic town. You're in New York. There's a lot of different cultures here. I like everything about this hire. You got to. It, it, it just has a different feel, right? It feels new. It feels energetic. It feels like there's a brand of football that you can take pride in. I, I felt that way with Joe Judge last year. It was like, this guy's different than Shermer and McAdoo and, and even Coughlin. And Coughlin won two Super Bowls. It, this, is a, this is a different feel. This is a different vibe. I'm happy for you, man. I think, I think this is going to be great for you. Thank you. All right, let's go around the league, and then let's talk some football that's actually being played. Urban Meyer, quote-unquote, I don't think I'll ever coach again. Uh, Urban Meyer might be the ultimate liar. He makes Nick Saban for outsiders. Obviously, Nick Saban, GOAT, love him. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> uh, how can you hate anybody more than you hate Urban Meyer? What do you think he's going to be in Jacksonville? Like what? What is this? We've not seen college coaches, even great ones, do very well in the NFL. Except You're going to get Trevor Lawrence. But Pete Carroll was also an NFL. Guy. He was. He was the NFL first, though. Yeah. He went NFL, USC, and then back to the NFL. I listen. I think honestly, if you want me to give give you a timetable, I think Saban probably coaches two to two and a half, three years, and then retires for health reasons. He's going for Nick a three-peat. Excuse me, uh, Urban Meyer. Okay, they, thank you. Don't get, don't mess up with my man here. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, um, this is weird to me. And Jacksonville, much like the Nets, I'm going to kind of reiterate the same message. It's a fan base. It's a franchise that has not won anything. There's a fan base that you're trying to keep. They threw the bag you, at him too. They did, and and you know what? If Urban Meyer says, I want to come here and I have the coaching staff that I'm going to bring in and you're getting Trevor Lawrence and you have another pick in the in, in the first round, you need to change the culture. You need to change everything. Can't do it the way he did in college. Can he adapt? Can he talk to grown men making guaranteed money, more money than he is, the same way he was talking to college? That's not going to work. You got to hope his message if i'm jacksonville i say i'm gonna just throw caution to the and hope for the best because he's a great football coach that i know outside of that i have no clue all right moving on um atlanta hired arthur smith arthur smith yeah former uh he was <clears throat> the tennessee oc how do you feel about that tennessee's offense been pretty good the last few years they built around a running game and an offensive line Atlanta doesn't really have either of those things. Um, they might be in the market for a new quarterback. It was probably the less, the least sexy hire that I could think of. Do you have any thoughts on this? No, not at all. Um, Love it. Well put. Thank you for that. Um, and then that's all the head coaching hires we have. Doug Peterson fired in Philly. Um, I don't know. Does it, it kind of puts our tanking theory to bed? I, I don't even know. Fuck him. Fuck Philly. And uh, I'm sure you're ecstatic he did not go to your jet because there was rumors about that. Thank God. And thank God they didn't hire Mike McCarthy last year either. 
or two years ago, whatever it was. I was talking to my dad, who's a even longer suffering Jet fan than you are. Yes, and he and he was like, "I don't want another team's trash." Like, <laughs> I was yeah. like, "Well put." Uh, he liked the salad move a lot, by the way. And he was—he's like the first thing I said when Doug Peter fired is like, "Fuck him and fuck Philly." He goes, "And please don't fuck Mets." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well put from so your from your old man. He should probably come on the pod at some point. Oh Short man, to the he, point. Would a, he, he would be a great guest. You'd have fun talking to him. But yeah, uh, Doug Peterson out in Philly. Do you have any idea of where they might look for for head coaching? I haven't heard any names come up. They're going to interview Bowles and Biennemi, a couple other guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know who they're going to hire. Uh, maybe Biennemi, unless he goes to Houston, because I think Watson wants him. And if they want any chance of keeping that guy around. Whew. And listen, I think the Jets need to make themselves a big-time player in that trade. Um, maybe Darnold in their pick. Yeah, let's talk about that for a quick second. So the rumors obviously are out there. We saw it. Watson tweet out, I was at a 2, now I'm at a 10. Obviously talking about anger, he was. He obviously tweeted out he was at a 2 when I traded. He's now at a 10 because fucking McNair, the owner, said he was going to be part of the GM search, and he was not. Mm-hmm. If you're the Jets, you have the number 2 pick. We've speculated about quarterbacks. Do you drop in the draft? What the hell do you do with Sam? Do you just say, I'm all in on Watson, and what is the price tag for him? From a Jets perspective, of course. I mean, I saw a lot of things where it was Tua and and the number, what was it, three pick from Miami. I think if you go Darnold and two first-rounders mm-hmm. in, 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 you know, the following years, I think that could do it. Do you do, do, you do Darnold and two? Darnold, two, and another pick. Yeah. You know, but just okay. put their backs really up against the wall there. And that's worth it for you, right? Now you have Watson, and that immediately makes your franchise with a new head coach relevant. Absolutely. I think that defense really showed something towards the end of the year. And not to mention, they have a lot of cap space. And there is a couple of wide receivers that are coming onto the market that I think that the Jets should be in on. Kenny yeah, Galladay. Yeah, Gallup. Yeah, Gallup, Galladay, and you got Allen Robinson, too. The only thing with Watson is he'll occupy a decent amount of that cap space. I believe it's going to be about $40 million or $35 million or mm-hmm. something like that. But, I mean, the Jets are the Jets are pretty solid at most other positions, and, and Watson's going to make that offensive line load a little bit lighter just because of his ability to move around and, and extend plays. You get him a big-time wide receiver. And, again, let's just not spend fucking money on a running back, Okay. Johnson showed something. P. Ryan showed something. You can get somebody late in the draft. Agreed. Chuba yeah, Hubbard. Don't spend high capital on a running back. Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, your the guy, boy. The guy from Ohio State. I forgot his name. We're going to talk about Oklahoma. that game later. Oh, Sermon? No, he's from Oklahoma State, Sean. Uh, but Sermon, yeah. No, I think no, his, no. Yeah, Sermon's from OSU, yeah. Yes. Um, I think his stock's going to go a little bit down just because he got hurt. Um, I like him. Obviously, I like Travis Etienne. Um, there's a lot of guys out there. <laughs> Clearly, Alabama's running back. Najee Harris, yeah. Yeah, but I think he's going to go in the first round. Um, there's there's a lot of guys out there where you don't have to drop the bag on another Le'Veon Bell. Don't ever let that happen again. No, you can't. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I want to get 
take on Watson because if he is available and there's a bidding market for him, if I'm the Jets, I, I know it sucks because you're at number two, but are you ever getting a better quarterback, even if it is Fields or it's a great version of Darnold that's better than what Watson is? No, Watson's better than both those quarterbacks. His floor is better. His ceiling is better. Watson is a proven commodity. I don't care that they won four games in Houston this year. Um, it was not his fault leading the league in a lot of a lot of quarterback categories. Agreed, my man. Agreed. Yeah, I wanted to get your take on that. So, Peterson's out. Uh, current openings as we currently stand here, my friend. Detroit, Dan Campbell, who is an uh, assistant in New Orleans, seems to be the leader for the job. Todd Bowles was on his way there and then just turned right around knowing he shot. The Chargers, the Eagles, and Houston all are open bases. So uh, they're starting to fill up a little bit. I, I have a little trepidation about Biennemi. I, I really want Biennemi to be able to get a job. I think one thing that hurts him is the current structure of the NFL. Now it's a hard thing for him to be able to interview for jobs when he's constantly deep January into early February every year. I agree with you. Um, but at the same time, I think – the team will let him, and Andy Reid seems like a good guy. They'll be able to figure that out. Um, although with COVID and everything, it does make it more difficult to, to you know, jet all over the place. Um, I think Biennemi gets a Houston job. I think it's a last-ditch effort to appease uh, Hopkins. Excuse me, not Hopkins. Hopkins is gone. They couldn't appease him. <laughs> yeah. Watson. <laughs> no, they could not. Um, well, Bill O'Brien took over at Bama. Maybe that was the one thing that could have been done, you know, about a year ago. Yes. Um, but um, I think that's a last-ditch effort to appease Watson. As a Jets fan, I hope it doesn't work. I hope he's on the open market and they go out and get him. I do think he goes there. I think Bulls get tired. Um, as well, and I think Matt Patricia gets hired. Just kidding. Never again. <laughs> uh, maybe you, he'll be a DC somewhere. I want you to know that if you had finished that and didn't say just kidding, I was not going to talk until you got a chance. <laughs> um, yeah, listen, I, they say not to kick a man when he's down, but it's too easy with that idiot. It is. Hey, man, I know we're about a week removed, but we haven't talked, and I feel we would be doing it justice if i didn't get your thought on some of these games from yes, wild card sir. weekend so why don't we start we'll just go in order from saturday to sunday first of all what did you do for for wild card weekend we kind of talked about it were you just gonna kind of camp out you had three Camped games out. each day yeah Had and i put my ass on the couch and i watched what was it like 14 hours of football Glorious, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I hope that they follow, you know, this every single year. I hope the MLB gets a universal DH because of the success it showed last year. And I hope the NFL keeps this one by three playoff games in the first week. Oh, it was awesome. I, I was unfortunately moving on Saturday, so mm. I, I I watched the second half of the last game. I'm in the midst of game, a move as well as my girlfriend right now, and it is the worst thing ever. It almost makes me want to buy a house that I can't afford and say, I'm living here forever. Yeah, I can't go anywhere, and I have to watch every minute of every game. Right. Yeah, yeah it would be nice. Um, so let's start. Bills beat the Colts 27-24. Phil Rivers, you texted me. It was so awesome. 
two of the worst throws late in the game that you could ever possibly see. What this did game I say was a little you? bit closer <laughs> than I thought. Let me go through our text. What did I say to you? Um, it was not, you were on like LMAO, Phil Rivers, like you get down the field and throw those two passes. or It was something along those lines. I know you were making fun of a couple of those throws uh, that he had on that final drive. I'm going through our Eli Manning argument that we're going to save for another pod. Yeah, we're not saying we're not doing that now. By the way, that was a good argument. I was fired up. I'm not going to do. <laughs> I know I'm, that. I, I'm not going to do that now, but I will call out both the quarterbacks that were as part of that discussion that are actively playing. Oh yes, this was my text. I wrote LMAO. If there was ever one time for Rivers to throw the, I'm trying to make a play, fifty-fifty ball pick. <laughs> it was it was then more than ever in his career, and he threw two balls out of bounds on the last so two plays of the game. Unpossibly the, the last two, ever. Um, last two passing plays of his career. It was one of the best texts I've ever gotten from a game I wasn't watching. And apparently, if he retires, he's going to become the head football coach in a high school called Fairhope, Alabama. Okay. Fun fact: my grandparents have a, a little vacation spot in Fairhope, Alabama. So um, maybe I'll maybe I'll bump into him. There you go. So what did you take away from this game outside of that of, of that last drive? It was one of those games where, like, I know the score doesn't reflect it, but I just felt like the Bills were going to win the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, Allen, was, Allen was great. I mean, there was a few hiccups, but I thought he played very well. Um, and Stefan Diggs is just a whole other level this year. We knew that already, obviously, but. You can't do a better job than what Buffalo did acquiring him, knowing that this was year three of quarterback that you took in the first round, and you have to decide if he's your guy or not. You know, and and shout way, out to Josh Allen because me and you every week uh, that we that we had a chance to speak this year. I know it's been tough. We went back and forth with Russell Wilson, not my MVP. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. Great year for Josh Allen, and I think he needs to at least be inserted in the conversation, and that's why I'm speaking up here. I think he's going to be like the Case Keenum of 2017, where it's like you're in the discussion, but you're not going to come close to winning. It's a Mahomes and Rodgers year, in my yeah. opinion. But but yeah, he played great, and he and he took that in the postseason, and, and it was nice to see him learn from that absolute choke job he had in Houston last year wild card weekend but congratulations to the bills because they got steph stefan diggs and they did everything they possibly could have done to give him the opportunity to show he's a franchise quarterback and i i was going to say before you before you mentioned that congratulations by the way to to cole beasley because he was not practicing guy clearly is hurt and he's playing and he's catching the ball and his teammates are picking him up and walking him back to the line of scrimmage where then he's just going to catch another eight to nine yard slant, get rocked, get picked back up and do it again. Mm -hmm. This Bills team is a really admirable and fun team to watch. Yeah, man. Um, Listen, I'm not a Bills fan. I was, after this game, you know, I was sitting there and I was like, God damn, I wish I planted my flag with the Bills, but I'm a Jets. I'm a Jets fan, yeah, and the Bills have suffered. Now. The Bills have suffered a lot too. So it ain't too much better over there. It is right now. Moving on to the next game, a little more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and a little bit higher scoring. 
the Bucks beat the Washington football team, Sean, 31-23. to And I, Heineke made himself some money in this game. I was really surprised by this game. Uh, and Brady put up big numbers. Really he did. He he was almost had to. He was he was great. He was he was Tom Brady in the playoffs. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Heineke and Washington they covered the spread and they were frisky. Uh, just didn't have enough for Tampa Bay. But this was a much more entertaining game. Again, I only was able to watch towards the end of the second half. But this was not a uh, this was not a game that. I thought it was going to – it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. I didn't think I would even have to look at the score. But Heineke, Washington, they represented the NFC very – the NFC East very well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was a great depiction of the season with with Heineke starting at quarterback. Thought he had a good game. Um, again, another game where I think even though the score was a little bit co- closer and the spread was covered, there was no doubt in who was winning. I never had a second of a doubt that Tampa Bay was going to win, irregardless of the score. All right, moving on to the next and the final game of Saturday, right? Was it the final game? No, the best one. You flip-flopped the two, but that's okay. It was still on Saturday. I'm still on the same day, so that's good. Ravens and Titans, of course I do. No, no, them. no, that was Sunday. We're, ta- we're, we're talking uh, Seahawks-Rams here, my friend. This Listen, the folks, I'm going to let you guys behind the curtain for a second here. I'm going off Sean's notes that he wrote. Oh, you're right. I skipped dude, over dude, one. Dude. Fuck, I skipped over one. I'm sorry. Dude, they're literally right there. <laughs> I'm going to let you behind the curtain. My I'm going to let you guys behind Everything the curtain is- and let you guys know that I need to go get f- fucking fitted for a pair of glasses because yeah. I can barely see this screen. You know um, what? I don't need to say anything after that. Rams Because beat- that was enough embarrassment for you. On your own, yeah. so thank you. God, I folks, I promise you I know how to read. It's just getting harder and harder <laughs> for me. I've zoomed in on the screen. The Rams, apparently I have 20-20 vision every time I get an eye exam. Last who time says I, that? I want to know who your eye doctor is. <laughs> who is giving you this time? Uh, last time I did it was probably high school. But, I mean, oh, Rams, the Rams defeated the Seahawks. What does that score say? 30-20? to 20? Yes. Um. Golf had to come in in this game, and he didn't fuck up. I think the bigger story is on the other side. The Seahawks, aside from the beginning of the year, sucked. And I I sniffed this shit out from the beginning. I was saying, Russ is not my MVP, and this team is not good enough. And was I right? You were right. You were really right. And the fact that they let Wofford, who they hurt, and then let Golf come in with splints in his fucking thumb. To come in and play that well, yeah, that's that's really bad. Up thirty, the offense. All I'm saying is, bro, Jamal Adams. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that cigar because I'm really gonna enjoy the couple first round picks that we got for you. There you go. Yeah, and Brian uh-huh. Schottenheimer got fired the next day because of how bad the offense was. Let Russ cook. Well, Russ cooked for a game and they lost. Yeah. So get a get a running game. Yeah, and they just. What would you, you take away from the Rams, by the way? Because Donald got hurt, and then they were able to still. Play I think that great team Ramsey had a hell of a game too. I think that team is just all about that defense. I mean, I am getting. Um, who's the guy that beat the Giants? Uh, the bald guy, Trent Dilfer vibes from this team, where they can possibly win the Super Bowl with this defense, and a quarterback doing just enough to win. It. it 
the formula is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and and McVeigh, I have enough trust in one of my sports fathers, McVeigh, to design mm-hmm. enough plays to give Jared Goff clean pockets and open throws that he might be able to do just enough. And let me tell you, their running game has come alive, and Cam Akers is a problem. Akers is great. That game he had against the Patriots was the first time I really got to watch him, and I was just blown away. I'll tell you what. I, I was a fantasy champion this year, uh, 12-man league. I know. Not a big we deal. Know. We, um, we know. We've heard you talk about Well, I told you I was in the championship. And, and Cam Akers, listen, well, he, before he got hurt, one of my biggest pickups only had one or two big games. But, I mean, I had a tough year, and I just got to pat myself on the back. One of my friends mentioned to me that I didn't mention it yet, so I'm doing it right now. I mean, listen, let me tell you this, Sean. You know who my first pick was? Christian McCaffrey. You know who my quarterback was? Dak Prescott. And you know who I traded for? Who I traded George Kittle and Amari Cooper for after I trade R-worded someone else to get Amari Cooper? Michael Thomas. Who went out? Who who got hurt, then got in a fight with a teammate, then played a few games, then went back on IR. Not to mention George Kittle, who I picked up off the waiver wire again because he was on IR for the for God knows how long. I fought through all that adversity, and I still won the fucking championship. That's really impressive. It'd be really nice if you could read too. So um, <laughs> we did our we did our Saturday games. I should be good um, now. Be I zoomed in on the screen. Good. I'll be interested to see. If you want to shit on my handwriting, that's fine. But no, don't no, tell no, me no. I won't. Listen, I will never shit on anyone's handwriting. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to the Sunday games. By the way, I'm very interested to see where you're going to go with the Rams heading into the coming weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Ravens defeated Titans 20 to 13. Lamar did a couple of Lamar things in this game that you can't duplicate, and they finally got their revenge on the Titans. What did you take away from this game? I thought it was relatively a boring game with the exception of a couple of Lamar gems, but it was nice to see them get the win. I didn't really have a a horse in the race, but, you know, Lamar's too good to to go 0 for 3 in the playoffs, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that those play, I mean, he had two like 30 plus yard runs, including that touchdown. Uh, Him and Kaepernick are the only players to have 50 plus yard rushing touchdowns out out of a quarterback. In the um, how do he doesn't have a job still? I think it's too late now. is is unbelievable um, with Taylor Heineke starting in the playoffs and Jared Goff. But with that being said, uh, I think Lamar was the game breaker in this game. I want to personally apologize to all of Tennessee, the Titans, and all the fans because I did gamble on them in this game um, and I lost a, a decent amount of money. Um, but the bottom line was this Ravens defense played incredible. And they held Derrick Henry to 44 yards. They finally figured out how to contain him. And Tannehill wasn't able to make enough plays when he didn't have a running. A.J. Brown, though, was a problem in the first half. God damn, is that guy great. Oh, man. That receiver class from the past two receiver classes are pretty legendary. They really are. They really are. And he deserve to possibly win too but it just goes to show that that tennessee offense and now we see with their head coach going to uh or with their oc now being the head coach of atlanta you don't have much of a running game you don't have much of a shot and it baltimore really didn't play a great game but like i said before lamar had a couple game breakers he had that rushing touchdown that made it 10 10 and he had a couple of huge first downs 
threw the ball well enough when he had to. Uh, uh, Andrews had a big game. It, it, it wasn't a super entertaining game, but I was like, all right, Baltimore, you got to win this game. Yeah, I mean, they, they locked it up, and, and that defense, I mean, Lamar made enough plays on offense, but that defense won that game. Agreed. All right, man. Ready to move on to the next game? Let's do it. Saints and Bears. Um, I probably fell Good asleep. God. Maybe, I don't know, 20 times during this game? That was your time to get rest. Yeah, it was terrible. I don't, I don't have anything to say about this game, really. I mean, the Saints I'm beat a fucking so, bad, the worst team in the playoffs. I'm so happy you said that. Including Washington. When Wims dropped that wide open touchdown pass in the end zone that Trubisky threw on that nice misdirection play Nagy drew up. I was like, okay, I can turn this off now because uh, you knew they had no chance. By the way, New Orleans didn't play great. Their defense obviously was good, but it, like, it begs the age-old question, was that good defense or was that terrible offense? Um, did you enjoy at least seeing Trubisky the uh, Nickelodeon Award? That warm your heart? You know, I got to say, shout out to the NFL, and I don't know who owns Nickelodeon, maybe it's CBS, um, for doing something different. Because, like, I watch, a, I watch a lot of the games on mute, so it doesn't fucking matter to me who's announcing. I usually listen to music or a podcast because I know more about football than anybody talking about it. Even the even Romo, the nineteen year old man, or the nineteen million dollar man. No, not more than Romo, but more than most. And <laughs> just to watch even that game on damn. mute was so much fun. And then Peyton getting slimed at the end. All the graphics they had. I mean, we have like ten million channels. You might as well throw it on there. Maybe you'll get a kid interested in football and he becomes a lifetime fan. It was worth the risk, right? It was really no, heartwarming. Spread yes. it out over a couple networks. You're going to get even more commercial money. Screw it. If you're Mitch Trubisky and you have to stand there and accept that award, what are you feeling? What was the award? The Nickelodeon Award. It was like a, it was basically their version of like a participation trophy. I mean, he didn't score a touchdown. Or he did late and they didn't kick an extra point. I mean, uh, that's the only bad job that Nickelodeon and whoever owns that network <laughs> did by giving him an award. That sucks for him and, and sucks for us as fans because – like, I feel bad for – Mitchell Trubisky's never done anything to anybody. Why do you have to make him – he just lost. He's going home for the year. Why did you do that? That's just like why. Lose, Yeah. It, it's like like having a great girlfriend that you like put in so much work for and, like, she leaves you and then somebody's like, hey, like, we heard you were, like, a really nice guy. Like, we're going to give you this award. And it's like, but, but – but yeah, no, it, that's it, like, that's like a girlfriend, right? That like you guys dated in your twenties, whatever. And then she thinks she's doing the right thing by like inviting you to her wedding to some other dude. Uh, now see, that's a much better example. Thank yeah. You. Either way, either way, both suck. My <laughs> example and yours. You don't want that. Cause it's like, Oh great. I was a nice guy, but, uh, Oh, good. She's gone. And I'm glad we ended on amicable now I, now terms. I, now, I get to, now, I get, now I get to go to her wedding. <laughs> Fucking awful. Um, yeah, that game sucked, and the torture for the Bears fans continue because and the GM are staying. Last game, we got to talk about it. You know my thoughts. I was texting you during it. We'll exclude the Eli conversation for now. But That'll be an off-season thing, punks. my friend. 
Yeah, Browns punk. Table that for the summer. 48-37, Browns. Were you shocked? Were you just like, okay, this kind of makes sense? Like, what were your feelings going through this game? I was a bit shocked because it was Baker Mayfield and the Browns doing this to the Steelers. I wasn't shocked because it was happening to the Steelers because, I mean, we mentioned it for most of the year. The Steelers played fucking nobody to an 11-0, and then they fell off a cliff when they played a little bit of competition. They were not a great team. They had zero to possibly... You'd think the Seahawks have zero running game? The Steelers have zero running game, and their receivers drop balls left and right. So, And the only reason why this game was even close was because obviously... The fucking Browns were playing protect defense and they were letting guys get yards and eventually you're going to get in the end zone that way. But, I mean, kudos to the Browns who, I mean, their head coach, what's his name, uh, Stefanski? Yeah, Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski. Shout out to me for remembering his name. Um, Good job by you. Thank you. Um, he was not allowed to coach in this game. They had some fucking like promoted wide receivers coach or something coaching in this game. He wasn't allowed to be near the team for all the practices. They looked like it didn't affect them at all. They go up like what twenty four nothing in the first quarter. Like mm-hmm. I, I I might not have awoken from a nap and I woke up and looked at the score and I was like holy shit twenty four nothing Browns at halftime. And then I looked to my left and I'm like it's the end of the first quarter. What the fuck? <laughs> I know, dude. Well, the first play, you know, from scrimmage was the errant snap that resulted in a Browns touchdown, yeah. and then it just snowballed from there. I'm with you. I mean, I had the game on, and I wasn't really paying full attention because I was watching the end of the Nets-Thunder game where the Nets were losing, and then I was like, looked at the corner of my eye on my other TV. It was like, oh, dual TV, uh, humble brag. Dual TVs, bro. You can't, once you go there, you can't go back. I know, um, I hear that. And I'm like, this. What have I missed? And <laughs> it's fourteen nothing, and then twenty one nothing. The Browns are the Browns are shitting on the Steelers. I feel like I'm and, and living in an alternate universe. It really was crazy, and neither of us have been huge Browns guys. But I give them so much credit for winning that game and winning them that game in the manner in which they did. I know the final score was only eleven, but it was never that close. Yeah, and it's a long time coming for when you're taking your shit on my QB tears. Well, I'm not doing that QB tier in January of 2021. Well, Eli, we're tier anyway. one for you. Um, all right. You ready to move on to this week? All I want to say is this. No, we're not I'm doing tired it. of watching Ben Roethlisberger play quarterback. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of having to under- trying to understand why he has been propped up for years as still being a guy that has a chance to win when that franchise and that team has put so much around him or he can be propped up. This guy has been done for the last three years. He lost a home playoff game to Jacksonville and Blake Bortles. After that, he's been hurt. He's been banged around all over the place. He hasn't played well at all. He can throw the ball probably about five to seven yards. And people are still talking about, well, you know, if they bring him back and the rest of the supporting cast, he's going to be great. Fuck everybody and fuck Ben Roethlisberger. He had a nice career, and the Steelers as an organization did a hell of keeping him upright and allowing him to still be able to go out there. But he's on for a while, and uh, him and Phil Rivers, I don't have to watch you anymore. Let's move on to this weekend. You lead us off. Rams at Packers is our first game, 435. What is that, on Saturday? Mm-hmm. 
Listen, man. I don't have the spreads in front of me. Are we doing that this week, or are we just picking games? Uh, let's just pick games. I have the spreads from when they were on Tuesday, if you want to go off at those. Sure, it was give me minus, a spread. The pa- pa- Packers were minus seven. Mm. Give me the Rams to cover the spread and the Packers to win. That's a fair pick. I, I picked mean, the, the Packers to win the Super Bowl. Week, right? They absolutely did. I think that defense is going to stifle the Packers a little bit. Um, especially Devontae Adams and Jalen Ramsey matchup. Um, but I think the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are going to do it. Um, I picked Aaron Rodgers to win MVP, and I picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl. So I'm going to have to stick with that, aren't I, until they get knocked out at least. You have to, obviously. Um, the Rams really impressed me last week, but Seattle has been very Jekyll and Hyde. Green Bay was that last year. They really haven't been that way this year. They're home. They're at Lambeau. I feel like the Rams kind of used up all their magic that they had last week. And give me the Packers to cover and to win this, obviously win this game outright. Absolutely. And it's crazy to say, but if Wolfer can't start, I don't know about Goff. Can you believe I'm saying that? I can't, but Goff is playing. Wolfer's not playing at all. He is in no shape to play. This is, this is Goff's game. And no matter how good that defense is, Aaron Rodgers, I cannot see losing at home to this team. Not at all, especially not in the playoffs. All right, next game we got Saturday night, 8.15 p.m. This is a hell of a game. It really is. Bills at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Throw me a spread. It was Bills two and a half as of Tuesday. This is a good game, my friend. Are the Bills going to keep the momentum? By the way, anybody tweet at us or, or or send us an email if you have updated spreads. We'll look at them, too, obviously, after the pod. Yeah. At Sorry Sports, maybe we'll look at them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are, does the Bills' magic stop here? You tell me. Or does the Lamar does Lamar's errors catch up to him here? We're working with a couple different mojos here. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Ravens on this one. Yeah? Yeah, the Bills haven't had a bad week in a long time. And last week they almost gave it up. I think if they were playing the Ravens in that game, they end up losing it. I think Lamar figures out a way to score there. Um, And I I really, the Bills' defense has been shaky this year, and I think Lamar is going to be able to do whatever he wants against them. It's so hard because I want to Not to mention that fucking with, defense after the show, the absolute show they put on against Tennessee, who's no slouch on offense either. No, man. They they played a great game. They played a great overall game, and it was kind of a template for how you would want to win a game in the playoffs if you're a Ravens fan, if you're a part of the Ravens organization. you got to take Buffalo. They've been the hottest team in the NFL. They've been the most impressive team in the NFL. They're 4-0. and in divisional games in their franchise history. I know that probably doesn't mean anything, but they're at Orchard Park. It's probably going to snow. I think this team really is clicking on all cylinders. I'm going to take the Bills as a home favorite here. Okay. Taking them with the spread? Yeah. All right. They're going to cover as well. Obviously, I took the Ravens with the spread because I have them winning. Next game, my friend. This is a Sunday game, 305. 
Chiefs at home against the Cleveland Browns. Let me guess the spread on this one. Don't tell me. Yeah, go. 10, go. Mm, 13 and a half? Oh, you said the 10. You could have stopped there. As of Tuesday, maybe it's changed, but as of Tuesday, Chiefs were minus 10. Oh, man. All right, all right. I guess they're giving the Browns a little bit of juice after that win, even though it's still a 10-point lead. Chiefs win and cover. The Browns are going to get a lot of disrespect here. And if they were playing any other opponent, we probably should prop them up a little bit more. But I I do it. I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, I, I just don't think the Chiefs have really played to their full potential almost at all this year, which is crazy to think because Patrick Mahomes is most likely the MVP and Travis Kelsey had a historic year at tight end. Um, for what it's worth, they might be getting Clyde Edwards-Alaire back. That just adds another running back, and, I mean, people say it every week. I don't know if it means anything, but Andy Reid on a bye? 8-3 and three off a bye as a Chiefs head coach, obviously not counting playoffs. But can I ask you a quick question? Does this kind of nonchalant play that the Chiefs have had – they haven't covered a spread hardly at all this year. They've won, but they haven't won in a really impressive, dominant, blowout way that you'd expect. Does that bother you or scare you at all? Or are you like, they're just going to turn it on? They won the Super Bowl last year. They know what they have to do. Nope. Second, the latter of what you said. Okay. What about you? It worries me a little bit. I don't like when teams aren't clicking on all cylinders. You know, I just picked Buffalo to win because they are. Mm-hmm. Um, Kansas City seems to have been a little bit too chill this year, but who knows? I mean, they're obviously capable, um, but it does bother me a little bit. Yeah, man. Well, so who do you have covering? Like I said, I agree with you. I, I think I think Kansas City is going to cover and do it. I'm just saying that it's not – it's still it is in the back of my mind where I'm like, hmm, things could go sour. We saw hey, it trailed freaking Houston twenty four nothing last year in the divisional round before they came back and I think scored forty one or forty eight unanswered, right? So yeah, they absolutely. could come out of the gates a little slow. They they could, but listen, I know the Browns more than exceeded expectations last week. They were excellent. But this is a different beast. Mm-hmm. So I, I have the Chiefs winning by a lot. Final game, um, by far the most interesting game, in my opinion. Um, even though it was the most boring game last week, I think it's the most interesting game this week. Bucks at Saints. 640. I, I think it is the, What's the spread? Yeah, I think it's the marquee. I, I think it is the marquee game. I'm with you. Saints, as of Tuesday, were minus three point favorites. Ooh, I was going to say three and a half. Okay. Um,. After what I saw last week, give me the Bucks. Mm. What, what's your logic behind that? I just listen. I know. I think they're about the same age. Breeze is done. Brady's not. Tampa's got a good defense, and I just listen. I'm I'm going with the old Sean Rowe. Uh, attitude here, which is fucking bet on Tom Brady in the playoffs. I don't yeah. care that he's not in New England anymore. He's Tom fucking Brady. TB, same initials as me. There you go. That's that, greatness that's, right there. That is nothing but pure greatness. Um, 
I'm with you again. I wish I could argue, but I can't. I've been wrestling with this, and I've been listening to people talk about this, experts talk about this game all week. It is so hard to beat the same team three times in a season, and that's what you're asking New Orleans to do. And I know New Orleans killed Chicago last week, and you said you slept through it, which I didn't blame you for. I really didn't pay much attention to it. This New Orleans offense... It doesn't do it for me. Their defense has to play an all-time great game they did in the first two matchups. And I'll say this, too. Let's not forget New Orleans. Two years ago, they lose that crazy game against the Rams in the Super in the Superdome. Last year, they lose wildcard week in the Kirk Cousins in the Superdome. This year, they're in the Superdome again. There's no fans. Does that have any impact? It's Brady. Playoffs. Third time. Hard to beat a team three times. Uh, to go Tampa here. Hey man, I completely i I echo everything you say. Um, I think aside from me taking the Ravens there, uh, we were a little chalky. I think you were completely chalk there. Um, what did you have? Every team covering. Yeah, I did. And every team, every favorite winning. I did. Hey, but Which you know what? for a divisional weekend, but... Hey, who cares, man? It, it, when it gets to this point, the better team usually wins. Um, all right. Go ahead. Let's get this shit over with. <laughs> I'm not going to take much time here. Alabama, roll tide. Sixth title under Saban. Uh, they killed Ohio State 52-24 on Monday night. Uh, Saban seventh overall. This wasn't close. Mac Jones went off, Smith went off, Harris went off, and the defense was good enough. I don't know if you could get a fully healthy Alabama 2020-2021 team against that LSU 2019-2020 team together and and have a game that might end in, I don't know, 85-78, but this is one of the best offenses I've ever seen. That's my piece. Roll Tide, what do you have to say? I will never, you'll never hear me say Roll Tide, and I've actually been to Alabama before, but I will say this. I watched almost all of this game. Um, that guy Smith is the best player in college football I might have ever seen. Wow. Yeah. Really? My God, man. Like, you, they could not, he cannot be stopped. He had 215 yards, and he hardly played in the third and fourth. He didn't play in the third and fourth quarter because yeah. of a thumb injury. And he had I three mean, touchdowns. He 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 would have he he could have had six touchdowns and 400 he, yards. Is he a top five pick? I mean, wide receivers we haven't seen go that high lately, but definitely a first rounder. He's a top 10, I think. Him and Jamar Chase are going to be the first two. And then you got Waddle behind him. Yeah, Waddle. And, and Waddle, honestly, is is up there, too. He just was hurt. And he played hurt, which I appreciate. Um, I mean, there's a lot of first-rounders I see here. I don't know if your quarterback makes it in the first round. Um, but he's definitely going to get drafted in the top three rounds. Um, but, I mean, between Fields, Smith, Harris was his name? Was it Najee Harris? Yeah, Najee Harris, yep. He's great. Defensively, I don't know. How many guys are there? Probably three or four on both sides. Well, you got Sertain, who's uh, who's going to be one of the top two corners. Uh, yeah. 
he their best overall defensive player. Um, so I, I would like him to be kind of if you're looking at Alabama prospects, he's going to be the first defensive guy called. Hey, listen, we'll be calling up the old ex-boyfriend soon. You know, Frenchie will let us know. The old ex-boyfriend, that's right. <laughs> he'll, he'll let us know. All right, Sean, we are two hours and 29 minutes in. Do you have anything else that you need to get off your chest? Any pop I'm culture? Gonna... Anything? Nah, dude, I'm just going to say what a fucking week in sports, and goddamn was it needed. I, I loved every second of it. I was so ready to do this pod. Even better for you, man. It seems like, I mean, I had the Yankees thing, and that's and the Jets higher. But I mean, you had the Yankees thing, the Nets thing, Alabama winning. I mean, what else do you need? It was just content nonstop, which mm-hmm. is so great. I mean, this seemed validation, and you had the Jets hiring a new head coach, who I think is was probably the best on the on the market. So I, I give you nothing but props for that. Yeah. This has been a great week. This has been a great week to be a New York sports fan. I think we're back, and it's great to see that Boston isn't doing anything. I know the Celtics are really good, but I don't know if they're a title team. Other than that, the Red Sox are doing nothing. The Patriots in the playoffs. Uh, it feels like everything's right with the world again. Um, how about you? Do you Did you have anything else this week that, that caught your eye or that you've been watching or doing? Or no, I watched a few like movies, up there up but... In the what I mean, you listen, watch? it's. I actually watched uh, Clockwork Orange yesterday. Whoa! Right? What'd you think? I'll tell you what. I, I looked at my girlfriend like four different times, and I was like, I don't even know if I like this movie, but I just can't stop watching it. Yeah. It's just one of those. It's like. And I guess that's why it's so critically acclaimed, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It just uh, it, it threw me for quite a loop, and then I watched the show The Night Stalker. Um, okay. On Netflix, it's about uh, some murderer in, in the '80s in LA. He went on quite a tangent, um, quite a rampage. Bad guy. He's dead now, though. So uh, the world's a better <laughs> place for that. Um, and yeah, not uh, Ramirez. Was it Ramirez? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yep, Ramirez, and then I mean, obviously, he's one of the watch... most. He's one of the most notorious serial killers of all time. Well, it's good to. I guess it's good to be mentioned up there with the great Sean. Well, you're talking Mount Rushmore, so we might as well finish with one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, aside from that, I mean, I've just been watching uh, a lot of CNN, but a lot of CNN, MSNBC, but like, I guess to a point where it's just like there's. They talk about the same shit with a bunch of different people over and over again because mm-hmm. there's, like, no new information that quickly. So it's, like, it kind of gets to the point where they just repeat themselves. So I have to turn it off. But I will, I will say this. I I do not understand because I was looking at my girlfriend and I was, like, they always have, like, a Republican come on MSNBC. And I'm, like, don't you know that you're just going to get your your asshole ripped open on live television for like 15 minutes? Like, why do you say you'll do this? I'm so happy you said that, man. It makes no sense. And I don't know if it's them trying to fool their population and be like, see, we're trying to be objective. It's like you're literally just coming on to be shat on for yeah. an entire segment. Great like, call. I hate it. It's almost like a roast, like, <laughs> like an involuntary <laughs> roast, like – you're just waiting for Jeffrey Ross to come on. Like all these people probably have like press teams or whatever, and like if I'm his head, pr- his or her head press guy, I'm like, 
I don't. I mean, yeah, you got MSNBC's. MSNBC's looking to have you, and it, like they say they want to do it. I'd be like, okay, like, do you want me to just make fun of you on the phone for five minutes, and it'll just be between you and I? Like, it's basically <laughs> what it is. Yeah. And the other thing I do is every once in a while, like I'm just a glutton for punishment. I like getting pissed off. I'll throw on Fox News, like just for five minutes, and then have to turn it off. Find yourself to OAN and see if you can like <laughs> blow a gasket or like possibly have a conniption. <laughs> is that even like? Did that start yet? Yeah, no, that's that's a legitimate thing. It makes Fox News look like CNN. <laughs> You know what? I'm gonna go look it up right now and see if it's in my YouTube TV package. Uh, it's been, I'm sure it's been too um, it's been too good of a pod, so I'm gonna get a little pissed off. It's been too good of a pod. <laughs> uh, how about you save that for next pod, though? Let's let's open with your introduction to OAN. I would love to get your your thought on that. Sounds good. I'll watch it about five minutes before I come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just gonna let you go. Like you're, you don't even need co-host for that first part. Yeah, you're just gonna talk away. I'll be it. fine. All well, right, buddy. That's it, man. We did it. Full on New York sports orgy. Uh, uh, I can't believe it's been almost a year since we've had no sports at all, and we just filled two and a half hours. Absolutely, man. Last thing I'll say is, as our absolute fearless leader said, be a patriot not a pussy, and wear your fucking mask. If you're a good American, (laughs) wear your mask. Oh, my God. Yeah, please. And uh, let's pray and hope for a peaceful inauguration day and a uh, transition of power for President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris. And I can't wait to not – I can't wait to take away the elect part of those titles. It's going to be nice. Yes, absolutely. Um, Thank you to the Yankees. Thank you, Yankees, and thank you to your Jets, thank you to my Nets, and thank you to the sports world for allowing us to do this, and roll fucking tide.